Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. We have another great episode lined up for you today. I do have to apologize one more time. Uh, this episode was supposed to coincide with the release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 on Blu-ray, and of course, we're well past that right now. I don't think that it's too big of a deal, um, because certainly the Blu-rays are still out there, so if you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 yet, and are curious and want to listen to this episode first, you can do that here, and of course if you were going to buy it anyway, it doesn't really change anything for you. The only thing that I will say to warn people that haven't seen it yet, we do get into spoilers on this episode, so just be aware of that. So if you're someone who absolutely can't stand spoilers, uh, then this episode is probably one that you should skip because there are a few twists and turns in this one that if you know about the movie beforehand it's not going to be anywhere near as interesting for you uh in other news i have submitted my ideas for panels for chicago tardis so we'll see what happens with that i'm hoping that i can get on at least a few panels there i have in the last few years so uh should work out okay and definitely, if you're thinking of coming to Chicago TARDIS, they have a lot of great guests lined up. And uh, if you see me on a panel or hear my voice as I'm talking to somebody or anything, uh, feel free to uh, let me know that you listen to the show and let me know what you think. But now it's high time that we went into the podcast and we will rejoin it already in progress. Before we dive into the topic, let's meet our guests for this episode. First up. He's the guy that just keeps dogging our steps no matter how much we try to get rid of him. He's the guy who's always wrong about everything, and that's my nemesis, Mr. Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? Well, you know, if you'd stop leaving out free food, I'd stop showing up. <laughs> so that's on you. Okay. <laughs> um, and I'm riding a Wonder Woman high. So I've okay. seen it twice so far. And I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I, I haven't had the pleasure yet of seeing Wonder Woman, but I will see it this weekend. As you should. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, what the one thing I am very excited about is that no one is saying anything bad about it that I've seen. Yeah, well, I think I it's mean, still at 90%, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not perfect. You know, there's no such thing as a, a perfect movie, sure. but it, it's, it's, it hits all the notes perfectly that well, it needs to. Well, 
There is not. There, you, I while I, t- I agree with you, Ryan, that there's no such thing as a perfect movie. As far as DC is concerned, <laughs> this is Gone with the Wind. This is Casablanca. It's not. It's not just. They have. They haven't had a movie this good since the second Batman movie, and prior to and prior to that, the first Tim Burton Batman, and then the first Richard Donner Superman. I. You know, and, and to be fair, and to be let's let's be honest, that was not a, a hurdle that was very tall for them to step over. <laughs> but the fact that they sailed over it handily, uh, hopefully, bodes well for what's coming. Anyways, continue with the uh, introduction. Introduction. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> All that I'm going to say about that is I've learned uh, from Man of Steel and Batman v Superman who my friends are that basically can't stand for a DC movie not to do well and will artificially inflate you know the their opinion of it just so that you know uh, their their love for the characters or whatever is said. So the fact that Wonder Woman is getting praise from people who aren't yeah. those people that's what tells me it's a good movie. Right. Yeah. But yes, uh, you've heard those two other voices, and so we'll introduce one of those. Uh, that is the author of New Comic Day, and he is also the host of the Why I Love Comics podcast. And that is Eric Ratcliffe. How are you doing, Eric? I'm hanging in there. Oh, that's good. I think. <laughs> oh, you think? Okay. <laughs> Why do you only think? I don't know. Just been feeling off the last like day and a half. I think. Oh. I don't know. You know it helps. I'm that? doing good though. Do you want you to see Wonder Woman? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was actually get planning on get thee to a Wonder Woman. That's how that works. Yes, I was yeah. planning on skipping uh, skipping out on you guys. Now, give you all the feels you need, brother. Yeah, yeah uh, Eric was was actually planning on seeing Wonder Woman tonight, but things fell through for him. So oh, I feel kind of bad about that. <laughs> now that you guys it are like, happens. go see Don't it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but um, <laughs> anything uh, new and exciting happened since the last time you were on, Eric? Didn't we literally just talk like four days ago? Uh, no, it must have been at least a week. <laughs> no, nothing nothing new. <laughs> okay. Nothing new and exciting. Right. And that final voice that you've heard, he is the expert on Robert E. Howard. He is uh, a guy that loves comic books. He absolutely adores Indiana Jones, and that is Mark Finn. How are you doing, Mark? Hey, I'm doing good. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me back on. Hey, no problem. We love having you on. Thanks, man. So I saw that you were at a, uh, a role-playing convention. I got my nerd on, brother. <laughs> I did. Yes. That's awesome. Big shout-out to the North Texas Role-Playing Gamers Convention, man. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a bittersweet thing that um, this whole thing started uh, with the unfortunate passing of Gary Gygax. Mm. Um, you know, back when he died, I guess it was back in 2007 or eight or thereabouts, he passed mm-hmm. away. Uh, and, you know, what became, they decided that a bunch of his friends and family were going to do a memorial for him. But they decided that instead of like meeting in a bar or getting together and swapping stories, they were going to spend the weekend playing role playing games. And, and, and that, which is, you know, clearly the, the best tribute you could give to the, uh, one of the fathers of Dungeons and Dragons. And yes. so, uh, that they decided they liked it so much they decided to do it next year and that was when Gary Khan was born mm-hmm. and like a phoenix rising from the ashes Gary Khan uh, in his hometown of Lake Geneva Wisconsin has spawned uh, the, the 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 embers have flown far and wide and now there are all of these smaller conventions popping up in in larger uh, states and in, in cities that are straight up 
gaming cons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're like a micro version of what Gen Con uh, has become and what and what sort of what Gen Con used to be. It's all you know. You sign up. They're four to six hour sessions at a time. Tons of stuff. And and North Texas specifically prides itself on being old school. So you know, you're playing first edition Traveler. You're playing, you're playing classic D and D or you know whatever. And so uh, yeah, it was it was great. I hadn't done anything like that in a while, and I was very pleased at the. Uh, uh, I, I was very pleased that that a lot of the man children that that dogged the hobby. Have either grown up or left or or something else because they weren't around. It was a, it was a really nice bunch of people who you know, aside from being at a game con, were like you know well dressed. They were groomed. They were pleasant. <laughs> you know, uh, there was they, they were a lot more social and sociable than than the the stereotypical image of the gamers is. And mm-hmm. I feel like that industry and that hobby has really grown up in the last couple of decades in a, in a positive way. So is it. Is it just tabletop stuff, or is there a LARPing going on too? No LARPing. It's all tabletop RPG. Oh, okay. uh, with an, but there are other game conventions that you know incorporate some of that. ChupacabraCon in Austin. Uh, oh, that sounds is, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, is is much you know it's board and game and you know all that stuff. It's basically everything but elect but uh, but computer. You know, and actually, and there may be computer as well. But anyways, yeah. If, if any of your listeners are interested, or if you guys are interested, uh, just literally do a, a Google search for gaming conventions in your area, and you'll be surprised at what turns up. I, I you know it's pretty interesting. It's it's becoming a new thing. I'll give a shout out to RoundCon, which uh, where I grew up, if it's still going on, uh, where I grew up in South Carolina, uh, RoundCon, at least through the 90s and early 2000s, was the gaming con. Exactly what you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, Mark. Uh, I enjoyed doing that. And and what, what you're saying speaks so dearly to me because I, with my life the way that it is, I don't get to game much. But right. once a year, Memorial Day weekend, I have seven friends from around the country who converge at my house, and we play uh, D&D all Memorial Day weekend. Oh, that's fun. That sounds like a hoot, man. Yeah, so we just got finished doing that. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah I, 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 I love that, and uh, it just keeps me in the hobby, and uh, you know, it makes me happy. Uh, I'm the DM. Cool. Yeah, love it, man. That's that's terrific. Yeah, I it uh yeah the the, the community was very open and welcoming, and I, of course I saw old friends there that I knew because I got out of the industry in '97 mm-hmm. and then and came back in. But uh, but yeah, uh, everybody that I talked to that that my new my new friends as they are were just like, hey, how are you? You know, like super welcoming. Not a there wasn't any attitude. There wasn't any weirdness. Yeah, it was it was really great. I I had, a, I had an over a very positive experience. Uh, in every single way. So, yeah, super stoked. Awesome. All right, so you know what comes next. It's five questions. <laughs> and for those of you just joining us, five questions is just a way for us to loosen up before we dive into the topic. Uh, I have a random number generator spit out five questions. Those questions can only have one of two possible answers, so it keeps us from going off too far into the weeds, despite what Jennifer Hartshorn says. <laughs> but we will try. <laughs> so question number one. Going to have a drink. You have beer or wine? Uh, I don't drink. Um, but probably beer. No reason. <laughs> it's just okay. more, I like the glasses better. You know? It's more manly. It's more manly. <laughs> uh, beer, because I lean more towards uh, more towards the occasional pale ale, definitely ciders, 
whole bunch of different kinds of beers. You know, you have you have a wide selection. I'm not saying you don't have that with wine, but I, I just like beer more. Um, I am uh, a beer snob, so beer. Yep. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a total and complete beer snob. I I, I drink wine. Uh, I do, but I, my my palate for wine is very limited, and uh, you know I I'm I'm I am Thomas uh, Hayden Church in uh, sideways, you know, yeah, I get the strawberries. I mean, I, you know, I like red <laughs> wines, but with beer, I get a little nutty. So yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not the rhino or a Sandman. So I can't see I'm making a, I'm making a, a obscure movie reference <laughs> as, well, you, well, as you beat well, me to it. But, uh, uh well, so I don't see, go for wine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those rare kinds times where we make a clean sweep on a, on a five questions. Cause it's beer for me as well. All so, right. Good deal. Yeah. What's uh, your? So that what, was. What do you prefer? I mean, like if you're if you're at a if you're at a pub or a bar. I mean, like in, in you, you, what's your go-to that you hope they have every time? I love Killian's. Oh, okay, me. I'm I'm a Guinness man. Okay. Yeah. Um. It, it, beer for me, and this is going to be a strange thing probably for people to hear, but that was my reward for working outside after a long day. My dad would <laughs> give me beer. When I was like a teenager, like this is why I was never like, oh man, I'm gonna go get wasted or anything. I could have beer at my house whenever I wanted. So it was never like this taboo thing, you know. So yeah, I helped my dad out in the garden or whatever. We worked all day, you know. Like here, have a beer, son. You know. Wow, how how very European. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say it was. And what was it like growing up in Hanover, West Germany? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Eric, what were, were you about to tell us? What your beer of choice is? Uh, I usually lean more towards um, something like Blue Moon or uh, Corona or uh, Angry Orchard. Sometimes, I see. Stella Artois has a uh, has a cider now. Has any of you tried that yet? I uh, no, no, I haven't. Um, it's actually pretty good. I will take your word for it. I'm not a Stella Artois guy, uh, but uh, I want you to have mine. So everybody, <laughs> right on that. There, thank you, brother. <laughs> There's one I can't think of right now, and it might be a Massachusetts thing that has a shark on the uh, on the bottle, and it's twelve percent. Oh yeah, life. yeah. Um, not bluefin. Um, oh, it's not uh, cutty either. What is it? Uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an IPA. It's really good. Yeah, I, I like it. I tried it a couple months back, and I was just like, oh, I didn't even notice that it was twelve percent until I finished drinking it. And I was like, oh. And, huh. and Ryan, if we were forced to put anything into a funnel and shove it down your gullet, uh, do you have a preference, or uh, would you just uh, would you just calmly accept what we bought, thinking, well, they must know something? Well, if you're paying for it, yeah, I'll drink it. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> there you go, brother. All right, good deal. <laughs> All right, so thank you for joining us for our oh, beer podcast. Um, <laughs> second question, Captain America. Hydra Stooge or It's a Trap? <laughs> I, th- I, I, don't, I refuse to even answer this question. <laughs> it shouldn't even exist. You know? <laughs> you, you've, been, you've been on the record on this one before. I know you have, so yeah, that's yeah. okay. I mean, it's it's clearly, clearly a trap. Right. Hydra Stooge <laughs> is just such a... Only, only... <laughs> sorry, internet, but only like the most naive, gullible person would believe that this is the long-term indefinite forever plan for steve rogers okay eric i got five words patrick duffy in a shower i got that i got your ah, nice <laughs> wow that's pretty good 
that, and and really obscure. I mean, I mean, that's a, that's like a time tunnel thing, man. Holy <laughs> crap! Hey, and I'm only thirty, so that makes it even funnier. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I am your your Dallas acumen is is astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I say that is because supposedly I haven't read the third issue yet, but uh, the stuff going on with the other cap and the reveal of the second issue very much seems like some sort of dream sequence, which would lead me to believe that there is a heavy mind control going on here and a very big reveal by the end. Guarantee it. And especially after the... Uh, okay, minor rant. And this obviously is going to date this this podcast because I don't know when this episode is going to come out. But um, yeah, so not only do you have Vision and Scarlet Witch working with Evil Cap, but now a a very big Marvel character that who has in several points in story almost killed almost killed his sidekick when he found out his his father was a supervillain and went around a whole bunch of um, skinheads before his flood out went to town. Yeah, the Punisher is working for Hydra. Anyways, what the uh, uh, such bad writing, yeah. such bad characterization. This is Mark Millar levels of Tony Stark and Reed Richards creating a clone of slower levels of bad writing. You know, at this point in time, I really almost expect Cobra Commander and Destro <laughs> to show up yeah. as leading Hydra. That would be great! I love that! <laughs> Cobra! It would be, be Skeletor. <laughs> not, not, not only is I, am I clearly on the uh, it's a trap arm of this question, I want to I want to first of all echo uh, what Ryan says uh, and uh, issue uh, uh, something of a fatwa to um, the the online outrage machine. Um, I'll, if you if any of you who are really complaining about this have actually read more than a dozen comics in your life, I will eat every one of your hats. Okay? Actual people, and I'm, this is not, now keep, I am not gatekeeping here. Let me just say that up front. Okay? But this hobby, this, this, this microcosm requires a certain amount of prior knowledge. And I am more than willing to have anybody come in and, and, and read what you want to read and say, hey, I'm interested in this. Tell me more. Sure. Here's some stuff read this book you'll dig this well i really want to read the older stuff great here's some stuff read this book it's available it's cheap and available you can read you can read uh, you can't even say that about marvel nowadays though come on well yeah but, but <laughs> 5 499 to 599 on, i'm talking oh, okay. about i'm talking about back, i'm talking about golden and silver age back issues uh that are digitally downloadable for a fraction of the cost of a single issue uh that's true yep yeah let me just put out a quick shout here for Marvel Unlimited. If you buy a subscription to Marvel Unlimited and you read more than 12 comics, you have more than paid for your subscription yeah, it's, to Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited's great for this. So for you for for the for the new fans to to have shown up somewhere between 2008 and now lured in by the by the movies uh, who are outraged that this is happening uh, because of, of somebody that you know was in World War II or somebody that you know was in Korea or whatever your reasons for not liking this are um, I just let me kindly point you to the back issue bins where the death of Superman issue is let me point you to the back <laughs> issue bins where Batman's broken back lives oh those are still available in trade paper you can read all you can read the year and a half worth of that story let me point you to the back issue bins where Captain America is a werewolf 
Let me point you to the back issue bins where Thor is Frog. Yeah. Frog is also awesome, sir. Well, I'm just saying, I, <laughs> none of this is in dispute. But for you, you, you just you just named Mark Grunwald and uh, Walt Simonson, as opposed to Nick Spencer, who is a hack. Anyways, I, I didn't that's say okay. anything. There was like a year in the 90s where Thor was a villain, I, and the Infinity yep. Watch were fighting him. <laughs> Let me just say this: that that none of this is is real. They're all imaginary stories. They're all made up. Yeah. And moreover, they're all temporary. There's no way in hell that Captain America is still going to be a Hydra stooge when the Infinity Gauntlet movie comes out and they have mm. to bring Captain America back onto the silver screen. I'll bet you a zillion dollars that by April, that storyline will be completely resolved just in time for the Infinity War movie. What are the odds? I'd say one to one. And then let me finally jump on uh, Eric's point and issue Fatwa to Marvel Comics. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. Uh, you need to stop what you're doing and 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 and, and stop with this nonsense. Uh, you can you could scale back the titles. Uh, go ahead and give us two X-Men books, give us two Spider-Man books, whatever you think we need or whatever, but stop with the special editions. Stop with the crossovers. Stop with the, yep. with the restarts. Stop with all of it. I am a, I've, I've been reading comics since I was seven years old. I walk into a comic shop. I have no idea what's going on. I'm not a dummy. I'm not, I'm not an imbecile. If I can't translate what's on the shelves, I have no impetus to pick this up. And, 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 and I know your tricks. How are you going to get a 16-year-old girl to read your comics uh, without a decoder ring? So, so everybody in fandom that's, that's over the hill over this, chill out. Marvel, stop sucking. They're taking your next question. Yeah. I think that that, yes, I think that yeah. that does qualify. I'm sorry, Jennifer. Um, apparently, we can't do this anymore. No, we can't. No, Jennifer, once again, she's right, and we're wrong. Okay, yeah. You'll be pleased to know, Jennifer, that once again, you've proven yourself smarter than us. But the funny part is, is uh, I'm going to take a guess on Nathan's answer, but this is going to be the second question where we're all going to be in agreement, and it yeah. still went on a rant. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, it, it's such a trap. It is such an obvious, temporary thing to drum up readership. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, it, it, it's just laziness on their part at this point. Right. Yep. Cause Nick Spencer is a heck. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. There's two good Marvel comics to his name. And so the only two good comics is, that he's written, the Ant-Man run that he did and the, um, the Spider-Man book, Superior Foes, which was following around some of the most obscure Spider-Man foes, but they... It was. It's a very funny and awesome and interesting book, but it, those are the only two good books that he's written. Does okay. Captain America work when you make U.S. agent into a tea party? Or anyways. Okay. okay. <sighs> <laughs> Moving right along. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Better show: Hercules: The Legendary Journeys or Xena: Warrior Princess. Uh. Um. Okay. Well, you know, you can't. I mean, one begat the other, and and they both. <sighs> Well, but that doesn't mean that one isn't better. Than no, that. it doesn't. I'm just I'm freeballing here. I'm thinking this through. Um, <laughs> neither is you know perfect, uh, or, or neither neither. I didn't watch either 
regularly. They were just there, you know, I'd flip through and I'd watch it. If I had to... <sighs> Alright, fine. Gun to my head, I'm gonna pick Xena. Okay. And that's only because I like Jockster. Okay. <laughs> Eric? <laughs> well, okay, so... There's that one season of that I think it's the second to last season of Hercules when uh, Kevin Sorbo was was injured for about like sixty percent of the of the season, so they actually had to fill in with some very fun and unique ideas. So you had you had Bruce Campbell stepping up, you had a jockster show up a few times, you had you had like a whole bunch of fun and risky ideas. Heck, that that had at least two different episodes where the cast plays everybody from behind the scenes in really fun and interesting ways but at the same time i always felt like xena was the stronger show especially because it had more autolycus it had more of jocks it had more um it had the the greater sidekick yeah that's that's right i'm just throwing shade there had the better (laughs) the better sidekick and just was overall didn't take itself more seriously but took itself like it was stronger in a sense, you know what I mean? Like it felt like it had more of a voice as opposed to Hercules yeah. felt like super choppy at moments. Like you'd get maybe like a handful of good episodes a season as opposed to Xena, which had the just stronger through line for throughout. Like Z- like yeah. I can point to that one Hercules season that's really fantastic, but then I can look at all of Xena and go, no, this is the much stronger show. It occasionally touched on important subjects in yeah. a way Hercules never did. Yeah, I uh, I also am going to uh, marginally edge out Hercules for Xena in that I hated both of the shows. <laughs> uh, I but I really hated uh, Hercules and his smirky sword and sorcery. I don't think sword and sorcery should ever have a smirk involved, and uh, that that show had a lot of smirking going on. Uh, just everybody smirked all the time. As if they knew, you know, they were they were two they were a half a head turn away from turning and winking at the camera. Uh, <laughs> so, though, Nate, would you have hung up on me if I said jack of all trades? Because I was really tempted to say jack of all trades. <laughs> well, yeah, we we've got a problem with you going off book on these questions, but uh, same, same producers, same cast, same yeah, everything. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I I, I like the I think Bruce Campbell's stronger as Autolycus. Um, Joxer is is uh, more interesting. Um, I have real significant problems with with both of the shows. This was back during the period of time when we were all uh, domestic abuse spouses held hostage by things like the Sci-Fi Channel, where we, where we felt like we we were we had to watch what they gave us and we had to say we liked it because if we didn't, they'd take it away and we'd never get anything else ever again. And so there was this real sense of we have to support it because if we don't, we won't get anything else like it. And my answer to that was good. But you know, I that said, I think Bruce Campbell edges it out for me on on Xena. Well, I, I will just say, Atalicus did appear in Hercules. Yeah, but he um, appeared in Xena more. Yes, he did appear in Xena more. Um, but uh, yeah, for me, I actually preferred Hercules. I, I don't know what Eric's talking about with the better sidekick on Xena because Gabrielle was this annoying bard and was all the worst traits of every D and D bard that you've ever. I mean, oh God, just shut up, Gabrielle. I wanted Xena to just cut her head off and just go off on her own, because I like Xena. I like Xena just fine. Like Joxer, like Joxer just fine. But God, Gabrielle, 
got on my nerves so much. It got to a point where, like, she gives birth at one point to, like, the ultimate evil and covers up, like, lets the kid kill people and, like, covers it up and then, like, puts it in the river so it can be fine and then tells Zena, oh no, I killed him in the end. And, like, at that point I just stopped watching because I was like, I can't watch this show anymore because this character, uh, I, I mean, she's, she's no longer even a good person. You know, and so, yeah, I, I, I can't stand Gabrielle. And I, I really like, um, 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 Aeolus. Hey, you can't, uh, I was going to say, hey, you can't think of his name. I didn't like Salmonius, but thankfully Aeolus was in a lot more of the Hercules episodes. But, um, yeah, I, I, I tended to enjoy Hercules more. Okay. I can live with that. But, all right. All right. Fourth question. Better 80s cartoon. Thundercats or Silverhawks? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's this one. They were both fine, um, but I'm gonna go with Thundercats just because. Uh, well, I had the toys, and um, mm. I think Mumra was a cooler villain. Okay. <laughs> yep, Thundercats. Okay. Have you seen the? Um, I'm still bummed out that when the the update came out, it only lasted a season because it was actually really good. Yeah, I think I've heard that from somebody, but uh, it was such a blink and you miss it thing that I didn't even know it was on. So. Well, because Cartoon Network didn't. Mm. It's one of those things where Cartoon Network, once again, just like He-Man, which I think only lasted two seasons and was actually a pretty good update, no one knew how to market it correctly. I just have a quick question for you, though. Do you even know what I'm talking about when I say Silverhawks? Yes, I know what you're... Okay, all right. I just, you're younger, <laughs> I'm friends I with Sean. Sure. I know what Silverhawks uh, okay, is. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> the the okay. Cartoon Network update actually established that they were in the same universe. Yeah, that I knew. Because there were plans for a crossover originally before they were like, oh yeah, this isn't making us any money because we're <laughs> stupid and don't know how to market it. So, bye-bye, show. I was too old to really like either one of those shows. Mm. Uh, and by then, I could tell, oh, this is this year's cartoon slash toy tie-in. Mm-hmm. That said, I think Thundercats is cooler. And I think, and I agree, I agree Mumra's a pretty cool villain. Alright, I, I, I'm obviously setting myself up as the one against everyone else because, oh you know, they're basically the same show with a different setting. I mean, like, Silverhawks <laughs> is Thundercats except in space. But that, to me, makes all the difference. Something in space, I love. So, yeah, so for me, uh, Silverhawks with the whole sci-fi aspect of it and the fact that there was a kitar uh, featured by one of the villains as her weapon of choice was, you know, awesome also. So Okay, wait. Wait, Nathan, same show? I mean, if, are you trying to tell me that my entire childhood of TV watching was designed just to sell me toys? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only on Saturday morning. Only yeah. on Saturday morning. Monday if you can- Friday, it was about cigarettes and beer. But Saturday morning, yes. Yeah. Yes, Saturday morning was toys. Yeah, if you can't tell that Mumra and Monstar are the same character, <laughs> there's a problem, because... Same, I mean, almost the exact same speech when they power up. It's just slightly different. <laughs> I've never done it, but I'm sure it was probably like 80% same voice talent, too. Right, that's true. <laughs> true too. There were only four voice actors in the <laughs> 80s anyway, right? <laughs> it, it really wouldn't surprise me. Those guys were, yeah, those were, they were almost uh, on contract at Ruby Spears and right. Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. <laughs> there was Frank Welker, Frank Welker, Frank Welker, and oh yeah, Frank Welker. D- Hello, Dawes Butler, Don Messick. Oh, sorry, they're <laughs> old. Never mind. Never mind. No, I just can't resist the the Frank Welker joke because he was literally in everything in animation for almost the last he really probably was. since the middle of the mm-hmm. '60s, right? I think. That was a workhorse. Oh yeah. Yep, and he's still working. Yep. So now we're on the final question. 
greatest Nintendo franchise, Mario or Link? Oh, God. <laughs> Who, who's I, Link? Yeah, Do you I mean, mean Zelda? Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Point of order. I'm sorry, I can not finish saying that with a straight face. <laughs> oh, oh. I have a shirt that says, call me Zelda one more time, and it's a very ticked off um, looking cel-shaded Link, and it's amazing. I can say the franchise is Link because there are games that are named for Link. I know. I just couldn't resist the joke. God. Okay. Well, that's like saying you can call it the Wario franchise franchise because there's a game named after Wario. Nah, well, it's a little bit different because <laughs> Zelda and Link feature in all of the aspects of that and just some of the titles have her name and some have... Yes. I'm probably going pretty controversial with this, so I want to hear Ryan first. All right, all right. Here, here's my answer. I, I am more fond of the Legend of Zelda series. Uh, I think it's more epic, more groundbreaking, and just it resonates with me more. But I do think the Mario Brothers, uh, or Super Mario, or well, whatever, the Mario franchise was probably the more successful. Oh, it definitely is the more successful one. But personally, Zelda. The, act- the wording of the question, one more time, I'm just curious. Oh, okay. Well, I said greatest, so so you okay, can define no, no. greatest, okay. I suppose, no, no, no. differently. That's, but yeah, that's why I was checking. Yeah. That's why I was checking because obviously Mario is like the staple, but when seventy percent of your games are literally the same exact thing, down to the stages and enemies, as opposed to every single Legend of Zelda game, while well, yes, it has some of the same bad guys and overall like overall like weapons and enemies it changes up throughout each game every single game has something new or some different different hook to it and there's only one terrible famicom game that we won't talk about <laughs> the 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 lovely uh the lovely one with uh, the the horrible horrible cartoons that broke up in between the scenes oh that game's so bad um so yeah i'd easily go blink and legend of zelda because Majora's Mask, uh, Ocarina of Time, um, Wind Waker. There's so many great experiences and great games inside of the the overall Zelda universe. And don't get me wrong, I love Mario, but like I said, when 70, actually probably 80% of your games are just changing, like, graphics, but still keep in the same, you know, system and levels and just... And it doesn't change it up that much. And I I say that as someone that loves Mario. But definitely, definitely Zelda and Link get the edge for me for greatest. And continue to do so because I've heard nothing but good things about the uh, the game that's on Breath of the Wild. But I haven't been able to play it because I do not have the Switch. So Mark, do I need to change this question for you to like Adventure versus Circus Atari? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Oh, see, I'm... Listen, you... Uh, <laughs> I can oh, and even music. I can answer this question. Da, da, guys, da, 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 da. I Sorry. grew up <laughs> with all of this. This was okay. I, my generation brought this home for you, bastards. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I have a different answer for you, okay? Okay. Donkey Kong. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It, one of the it, one of the greatest arcade games of all time. One of the hardest arcade games of all time. Mm-hmm. The birth of Mario as we understand it. Mm-hmm. Worldwide international phenomenon. Because we can't translate Japanese for shit, And they can't translate our language for shit. What should have been Monkey Kong became Donkey Kong. And the legend was born. If you need 
to know anything about this, there's a documentary called The King of Kong, and I recommend you watch it. It's, it's, it's a perfect example of how my generation got lost in the weeds. And now they're adults with living, living their lives with children and businesses, and they're still just as man-children-y and lost as they ever were. It's, it's amazing. But um, uh, Link was always watered-down uh, nonsense. I, I, I never... Uh, we, we had him. I played it on the Nintendo. Uh, my, my kid brother, who was uh, seven years my junior, loved the game. It was right at the time it was right for him the thing you know what I mean mm-hmm. he was right Masters of the Universe 2 I was just a little too old for it I understood it I liked you know some of the stuff about it but I was past it already but I was not past Donkey Kong when it showed up so this time uh, you know I've been I dip back and I dip back into Mario Brothers because I get to play Donkey Kong every once in a while and in baseball oh that's the cool thing uh so, so yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm, that, that's my you kids get off my lawn answer. <laughs> Donkey Kong! Okay. Well, I guess it's a good thing Pac-Man wasn't an option. Right. Because <laughs> I would have still said Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sure we're going to get into Pac-Man a little later on the show. <laughs> right. Yeah, actually, this <laughs> one true. is a little germane to the, the show. But, yes, I, I, I'm going to go with... I, I have to say, for me, it is going to be Link. I like the adventure aspects of it. And I was a fan back with the Atari game adventure because uh, I had an Atari before I had Nintendo and uh, you know the whole aspect of exploring and gathering items and things like that uh, Link of course was a huge improvement over the adventure game for the Atari but it's the same sort of mentality and I really like that aspect of exploring and searching and getting things so yeah first Legend of Zelda as well as Link to the Past uh, I think are uh, excellent uh, games so yeah I, for me it's it's Link so that's another five questions successfully completed. Awesome 80 edition. <laughs> that awesome 80 is edition. Radical. <laughs> so many, so many of those turned into three one answers. <laughs> yep, it's true. It's true. All right. So before we dive into our topic, let's listen to this promo from another fine podcast. Welcome to Myobi Defend Your Childhood, the podcast where every week we put a little bit of your past on trial. Wait, you don't know who we are? Well, fine. First, we take a movie that you like. You know the ones. The ones the buses always had on field trips. We got the real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. The afternoon animated show tie-in. Or rewrite history. Or the ones your parents didn't want you to see, but you watched at a sleepover. So that's the game. The movies are 10 years old and the defendant hasn't seen them in five. Then we, well... We're here to talk about the Sandlot. When I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to play with the other children, so this is how I learned human interaction. Ask them what they think. Obviously, I remembered your wigs, because as soon as my parents found out that I was deathly afraid of parasites, they were like, let's show her wrap up <laughs> So, in the end, does your past hold up? Can you defend your childhood? Tune in every Thursday to find out.
And we're back. And so this week, like I talked about at the beginning, we're discussing the movie Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, so in, unless you were buried under a rock for the last few years, you've probably heard of Guardians of the Galaxy. But Ryan, why don't you tell us who the Guardians of the Galaxy are? Well, I certainly will, Nathan. The Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to ask Mark, and I'm like, what, you want us to be here all night? <laughs> Just keep passing it around till we get back to Nathan. You know? Oh my god. Uh, if, I, yeah, if we'd planned that out, that would have been awesome. Okay. <laughs> Can we start over? <laughs> the Guardians of the Galaxy is, is one of many successful Marvel franchises that involve a human stuck in the 80s, a genetically engineered raccoon, a talking tree, and uh, a, a pro wrestler who is hilarious, and a green woman, because, for reasons. But it works, and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and they, not unlike the A team, they go around the galaxy, you know, saving the day and probably refusing to get paid. Right. <laughs> so, just asking everybody, what were your thoughts on the first movie? Just really quick, just keep it to a few sentences. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I figured that if Marvel was going to stumble, it was going to be on this. I didn't, I thought it was a really big pill to swallow and to try and get the the general population uh into and i think the balance of humor and kind of absurdity with all of the space stuff was a a pleasant pleasant surprise and uh it was the movie that made me stop trying to doubt them Mm. you you know what i'm saying like after after that i went well if we get a doc if we get a brother power the or uh uh, uh, brother voodoo (laughs) and the dr (laughs) druid uh team up I'm going to be like, yep, that's going to be a great movie. It just doesn't matter anymore. They, sold, they, they basically they sold the, the sentient tree and the talking raccoon. There's really nothing they can't tell us. Now. You mean you weren't an Ant-Man hater and a Doctor Strange hater? Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm a huge uh, Doctor Strange and Ant-Man fan. Yeah. Uh, for, I mean, I really, I really like a lot of the, in the comics, second and third tier guys. I really... Mm-hmm. I just, you know, there was there there wasn't anybody in the Guardians uh, movie that I had any kind of affinity for mm-hmm. uh, in go- going in. You know, I mean, I re- I read Star Lord when I was a kid in the Marvel premieres. Uh, I knew Gamora was part of uh, or Gamora was part of the Thanos stuff. I was not a fan of Rocket Raccoon uh, mm-hmm. when it came out uh, as a miniseries. I'm not a I, talking animals. It's uh, just not my not my bag, maybe. You know, the only the, really the character I liked the most was Groot, and my first thought was, well, why the hell isn't he 50 feet tall and stepping on things? You know, I was really <laughs> bummed that it wasn't like the when you know the Tales to Astonish monster, but uh, clearly we're going to get there. Right, yeah, you know, you said one thing that uh, uh, fist bump across the internet for you is that you said Gamora, because that is always how I've pronounced her name. And when they started calling her Gamora in the movie, I'm like, what? Yeah, I think Gamora, right. Gamora I think is a uh, Godzilla. Yeah, they were monster. trying to they, they were trying to uh, to disambiguously uh, uh, distance between the spinning uh, uh, turtle. Korean turtle. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've always called her Gamora, not Gamora, which is the the turtle thing. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, but anyway. <laughs> I got, I, got, I, I got to I, remember to stick the O, you know, because I, right. I never do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Though I love that Mark brought up Tales from Astonish, but totally ignores, you know, if we're if you're talking about the original team who, you know, show up by the end of this movie. 
Uh, oh, don't oh, mention yeah. don't don't mention you know the fact that it's technically a team that started in the late '60s with exactly. a guy named Vance Astro and a whole bunch of other people mm. who, like I said, don't actually appear until the end of this movie. But anyways, well, they still don't appear at the end of this movie. But people who sort of, kind of, loosely are based on appear at the end of this movie. <laughs> I I thought when the movie I thought when we saw Stallone talking with the diamond guy behind him, I thought, is that Martin X? Oh, really, dude, yeah. I nerded mm-hmm. out. So I, I was hard. like, is that Martin X? And then at the end, when they showed uh, Charlie 27, I was like, cool. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, no, I, the thing, the thing, the reason why I didn't mention it is because that initial run of, Gar- that initial iteration of Guardians of the Galaxy was, was ass. <laughs> Oh, okay. It, it was just, it was terrible. I mean, it wasn't, it's, you can read it now. It's not good. It, it's <laughs> succulicious. It is, it is, oh my God. Uh, Though, and uh, we'll get, we'll probably get into more cameo stuff down the line. You know who Martin X was, right? In the, the actor? Original, uh, no, the actor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I remember. That's, that's Lex Luthor. That's Michael yes, Rosenbaum. Yeah, that's, it was, it was Rosenbaum. I knew it was somebody yep. from one of the other shows. Oh, you guys probably don't even know who the best cameo was, and it makes me super happy. But we'll get into that in, <laughs> in a little bit, I'm sure. And uh, the second I pointed out, uh, and I'm hoping you guys will have a pretty good reaction and not realize who it was. So we'll get into that. <laughs> all right, all right, Twinkfish McGee. What would you think of the first movie, though? <laughs> oh, I love the first movie. And, I mean, I will... I, huge fan of of the team in general but a a fan of the team since the annihilation era when keith given reintroduces the modern concept of um of the guardians of the galaxy in this newer version of star lord and rocket raccoon and Groot, and most of the most of that team was actually not the team that we would eventually see later on in the annihilation race stuff and all that when it when they expand but um the team we got in the movie i thought was very well done and and i've been a huge well i wasn't the biggest batista fan because i'm i actually have a background with him via wrestling like he was never one of my favorite people but i love that he's basically become like um, um, another version of The Rock, and just another awesome, you know, wrestler who turned out to be a really great person, and is revitalizing his career in another form of entertainment. And I yeah. love seeing that, and I love the fact that you know you have you have um, no stunt casting whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like everybody, even even Vin Diesel and uh, and uh, Bradley Cooper come in and give their all into these roles they're not just collecting a paycheck but they're flat out you know vin diesel spent hour hours you know getting into the head of Groot, which i thought was fantastic even though he has only three slash four words of spoken dialogue throughout both both films and then you have bradley cooper pretty much inventing this character from the ground up and to give even more credit to sean gunn who i was so happy to see in the second movie get the amount of time that he did but sean gunn was the on-set rocket raccoon in both movies sure because bradley cooper couldn't be there on set so he was the stand-in as well as being craglin throughout both movies which i thought was very well done he even did the lines of dialogue like i think it's in both the deleted scenes and in some of the gag reel you can hear sean's version of rocket and it's actually pretty well done but I love I love both movies and and I've been a Chris Pratt fan since Parks and Rec. So seeing yeah. his evolution into the action hero slash slightly sarcastic and just lovable 
character that Star Lord becomes is is great. And seeing, like I said, seeing the evolution of of these actors. And I mean, the first movie, I guess Zoe was definitely the weakest link, but she definitely got more to play with than the second one, as I'm sure we'll discuss. But I mean, I loved everything about it. I wouldn't say it was my favorite Marvel film, but it's definitely it's definitely in the top three. And then the second one came around and became my favorite. So, <laughs> all right, yeah. Uh, to echo Mark a lot, this th- I went to the went into this one down, or rather into the original one, downplaying expectations. Uh, I figured this was Marvel's biggest risk. It uh, you know yeah like like Eric said it had the guy from Parks and Rec the doofus from Parks and Rec. It was done by the same guy who did Scooby Doo and Slither, and this was at a time when. Remember, the the original one came out before um, Episode 7. So this was before space movies were cool again. And so I, I really thought this is going to be it. it. Marvel will be lucky if it breaks even. So I, I wasn't expecting to be just blown away by it the way I was. I, I don't think, with possible exception of Nathan, that anyone who went into it didn't come out thinking this that th- this had struck something, that this was important in a way that just uh defied expectation it, it it marvel managed to do what they've done in almost all their franchises which is to go after a blend you know be it espionage and war movies with captain america or you, you know something along those lines they did it with guardians again they found this sort of rock comedy space feel that we've all been wanting but didn't know we wanted hmm. So, you undercut me a little bit, Ryan. <laughs> oh, oh. And, and real fast, now I know we'll, we'll be talking about it. I mean, not only do you have the giant talking tree and the, the raccoon, but, you know, you have the Celestials. You have your first, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm pretty sure, is the Collector an Eternal? I always forget. Yes, the okay. Collector is an have, Eternal. You have the Celestials. You have an oh, I'm sorry, well, he's one of you the have... Elders of the Universe, which oh, are yeah, elders quite of the, the same. Sorry, yep. Elder of the Universe, yeah. You're getting your second Elder of the Universe pretty soon, but <laughs> it's it's really cool that you get these high-end Marvel concepts that the, that the extended you know cinematic universe is finally playing with. I mean, we never thought we'd see... All of this amazing Jack Kirby concept, high high art stuff on the big screen, and now we're seeing it all. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I, I went to Guardians of the Galaxy. I have actually read the Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning run, all of it. Good man. Um, and I <laughs> oh my god, I've even read the Annihilation Wave and all of that. So um, I I was versed in this iteration. I had actually read it just before the movie because a friend of mine got me to do it. And so, you know, uh, that version is a little offbeat, but it's more situational humor. I mean, the characters themselves are pretty much what you expect from superheroes, uh, but they end up in, like, really ironic or strange situations kind of thing. The first movie didn't really uh, wow me. I thought it was a little too silly. I thought the humor was... Up to a point where it made things silly instead of dramatic. There were a lot of things that I felt like, from a long-term standpoint, the MCU was shooting itself in the foot, making the Nova Corps just a bunch of guys in spaceships. Um, I thought was a big one. Um, how they've changed uh, Thanos and Gamora's backstory, Nebula's backstory, I thought was another huge one. There are a lot of things that I feel like are just um, weakened the source material. Gamora, especially, uh, I, I just could not stand what they did with her. That she was such a weak character 
um, and it was it felt insulting in a way. And and you know my thing has always been you know you can change story details and stuff, but characters should stay within the essential truth of those characters. But um, to me, only Rocket and Groot feel like that essential truth has been maintained um, in the in the Guardians movies. Rocket and Groot are pretty much taken straight out of the comics as far as how they act and their attitudes and everything. Even Baby Groot is in the comics. Um, <laughs> there was a period where it burned up and just a little twig left. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, for me, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know why I'm the only person who doesn't seem to like that movie, but it was, uh, a weak one for me. It's because you hate fun and joy. <laughs> I do. I hate fun and joy. No, there were things that I liked. I mean, I liked, uh, like, uh, even like Howard the Ducks cameo. Yeah. I thought was great. Um, I thought that was a fun, neat little nod. I thought like some of the scenes, like the one where Peter and Mora are in the Ravager ship and Rocket's there on top of the other ship with the gun and everything and they're <laughs> sort of posturing, that like, that was felt like something that would happen in the Guardians of the Galaxy comic book. I loved that. I thought that was really good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree that it takes it the comedy too far uh, sometimes. I, I would say Guardians is the best the best evidence that the Snyder fans have of Marvel is just too silly. You know, mm. I mean, a dance off at the, to defeat the bad yeah. guy. Well, I, <laughs> I, I did facepalm at that. Right. Cause I mean, all he needed to do the, how it should have ended, got that right. He should have just been like dead, you yeah. know? Yeah. And instead he just waits there and stares <clears throat> dumbly for five minutes. If, if, if I may offer a, uh, a counterpoint to that point. Sure. While most of the Marvel movies up to that point, had had some lighter moments, whether it was the natural charm of Tony Stark and Iron Man vis-a-vis Robert Downey Jr., mm. or Ed Norton translating the Spanish wrong uh, <laughs> when he says, you know, you wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. You know, <laughs> we didn't really, and, and there's some really great comic moments in Captain America and even Thor, uh, mm. but. They were they were they were in the quiet scenes, and they're not necessarily laugh out loud funny. They're chuckles, mm-hmm. and some of them were even just, some of them were even like fan specific chuckles. You know, the fact that uh, she can't pronounce his hammer. You know, it's, it's just great. <laughs> meow meow. Uh, the Don the Don Blake throwaway line. You know, mm-hmm. I dated a doctor. Uh, there there really hadn't been a funny Marvel movie, and I think. This was the movie to be funny because I think you needed the humor. And, and I use this word before and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it again. You needed the absurdity to get you over the giant ass pill that you have to swallow of, oh, there's this whole other Marvel universe in space with three planets that we don't know anything about and are having to learn on the fly, not us. I'm speaking in the general audience sense of right. No, no, but but let me ask you a question because I think by making it the first intro or making it the intro movie to the cosmic universe, they've hamstrung the potential so that space stuff will always have to be a comedy. I mean, you even see ah. with Thor Ragnarok where they're obviously going a Guardians route with it. Uh, you know, turning it into a comedy movie because they're like, oh, well, Thor's going to be in space, so it's got to be a comedy like Guardians. Let me counter that with okay. the Chitari 
scenes from Avengers, which are not funny and very serious and kind of scary. The second mm-hmm. Thor movie, which is a dark world on purpose and takes that turn. And the Doctor Strange movie, which, while it's mystic, is still in that sort of otherworldly realm. And at no point in time did I ever think Dormammu was anything other than absolutely freaking terrifying. Right. So I think having a lighter side it really helped get people over the hump of having to swallow this. If you look at guardians, what goes on in guardians, if that was the first Marvel movie that came out, it would have crashed and burned because it's too much. There's almost too much in that first movie to try and get your head around. But, you know, kind of in hindsight after the Avengers movie and seeing what an ensemble cast looks like. And now we can do this, that, and the other there's, I think there was just enough. And I think that's where the humor works because there is something kind of absurd. You have to acknowledge the raccoon and the tree and the green girl. You have to kind of acknowledge that this is sort of, you know, not crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we not in comics. In comics, you don't have to acknowledge that. Of course, Gamora's green. Why wouldn't she be? Of course, Nebula's blue. Why wouldn't she be? The Kree are blue. What's wrong with you? All Kree are blue. Everyone knows that. Well, but see, that's my point. Well, except they're not. But well, that that was going to go along with the point that I was going to make is the fact that, like, I understand certain concerns about you know nate pointing out the fact that you know especially both gamora and drax are nothing like their uh their original comic book counterparts of which even you know during the annihilation and all that stuff they've kept a lot of the core of that while street while the movie streamlines heavily like there's there's certain things that i feel like especially when they're introducing the cosmic side of the marvel universe they could get away with and we saw that by them you know explaining and showing who the celestials were and you know who the collector is in while leaving stuff still mystery somewhat with the collector as well as the fact that you know they they have that giant floating head being the location of nowhere they yeah. i i really feel like they'd heavily lose an audience if they suddenly went like heavy into what comic Drax's background is. You yeah. kind of can't you kind of can't go, "Oh yeah, here's this human guy who got killed in a car accident trying to protect protect his wife and daughter and the next thing you know is he's rebirthed and he's this guy that's going to and it's like, yeah, yeah, oh, way no. too convoluted for a yeah. for for a movie universe. Don't get me wrong, I love Drax's background and I and love I, what I, the comics have done with it. Well, let me let me interject something because I keep hearing audiences won't accept, audiences won't accept. This is the same argument that used to come out uh, about all superhero movies, which is why the X Men are all in black leather in the early two thousands movies and everything else. Is audiences won't accept this? It either has to be campy or we have to ground it in gritty realism. And then we had a whole MCU where suddenly they were like, no, we're going to put them in costumes that look pretty much like they look in the comics. And one of the things I always enjoyed about the MCU. Uh, when Marvel started making their own movies was, you know, they basically said, no, we're going to just do what's in the comics and people will accept it because it's good storytelling. And I think especially in a post-Star Wars world, you know, people know what science fiction is. And having a blue-skinned person or a green-skinned person isn't, oh my God, this is so shocking. No, it's not a stretch. Uh, yeah. But, you're, but you do have the, the there, there's that world-building component that you have to do in every movie. Uh, and especially when you're dealing with a fantasy film of any kind, you have to set those parameters. Now, the, the world building is easy in Iron Man 
because all we have to you, all you have to buy is that he's smart enough to build a suit. The world mm. building is easy in Captain America. All you have to buy is that the super soldier formula works. And that the Tesseract can power, you know, disintegration guns. If you buy that, that's your movie. When you're selling them on the idea of not just space, but organized space, where people are, where planets are at war and alliances are tenuous, uh, and and you're introducing the Ravagers and you're introducing the the Kree and you're introducing not a nihilist, um, uh, Ronan the Accuser, when you're, you know, you're you're putting all of this stuff out in, in a single movie, it's daunting. I, and, and 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 I only say this because clearly we were wrong and everybody did like it. But I think that it I think the fact that it didn't take itself as serious. Okay, how about this? Hmm. The humor is grounded in the characters. The humor is grounded in the situation. The humor is not at the expense of the story or the world or the plot. Okay. There's nobody ever looks at the camera and winks. It's only it's you know the humor in the in the in the first movie and in the second movie. It's funny because we accept that that's a cybernetically enhanced raccoon or trash panda, if you prefer. Right, um, <laughs> best line in the movie. What, what makes him funny is his reaction to other people. Uh, there are some great quiet moments, and and, and to to pull it into the second one. Right. Um, I, I've said this before. I love what I love best about Marvel comics is they're really great at, at quiet moments. Marvel comics have never been afraid to slow down and give you a couple pages where Peter Parker and Johnny Storm are talking girlfriend trouble on top of the Statue of Liberty, or yep. Ben Grimm yes. and Steve Rogers are uh, drinking coffee and talking about World War II, or the yeah. Avengers hosting a poker game and Nick Fury uh, and the thing crashing. Uh, hey, the, hey, it was never yeah. the Avengers hosting the poker game. It was always Ben Grimm's poker game. <laughs> Well, but he he did it at Avengers Mansion, so you, you got to yeah. yeah. And Jarvis was the dealer. So my point is, those those right. moments they put the character back in common. Those moments tend to be the best because they are the ones that are the strongest at building the the shared world continuity that we love. And there's a lot of great quiet moments in Guardians of the Galaxy where we let it where those characters get to be those characters. Drax is awesome because. His brain is not wired the way ours yeah. is. That's perfect. That's such a wonderful, it's such a simple thing, but it's just wonderful. It's interesting that you bring up Drax because, uh, you know, Beasta has mentioned that he wasn't too happy with his role in the second one. And one of the notes that I took down was, you know, in the first one was just that Drax doesn't understand metaphor. You know, that's how they established him. But in the second one, it's like he becomes this, like, loud, like, dude bro who loves you know other people's you know laughing at other people's expense and stuff i found him very mean-spirited in this movie no Um, man and 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 he was basically just comic relief like batista's even but he wants badass drax back um and he said that james gunn promised him that in the third movie he would be um but I, i and one of my problems with this one the second one is that everyone is just so Everyone is a comic relief character. You know, Mantis is a comic <laughs> relief character. Groot is a comic relief which is fine, because Groot should be. Um, but it's basically like they're both playing the role of the naive child, Mantis and Groot. Um, you've got, uh, you know, I mean, Star-Lord is such an idiot. Uh, you know, it's just... And then you have Rocket jumping around the forest, taking out all the Reavers by himself. Yeah, that was a that great was awesome. scene. 
That was a great scene. There's I a, actually like Rocket quite a bit. I I think he's my favorite character. Out I of do. The, I do think. I, I see what you're saying, and and certainly there was a, there was a certain amount of doubling down in this movie. You know, yeah. hey, did you like that thing in the first movie? Here's some more of it. Um, well, it's literally called Volume Two. I mean, right, right. And, but um, I really think all of that takes a second. Uh, it takes a backseat to this notion that they are trying to figure out how to be a family. All of them come from broken homes. Uh, every single one of the characters. Well, we don't know what Groot's backstory is, but we can assume, you know, if he's walking around with Rocket, that he didn't have anybody either. So that's th- it's a that's what makes this um, yeah. this one so good is that overarching plot of, you know. We, we don't have good role models. We don't have uh, good examples of how this works. Uh, but but some of us, at least, have chosen to exactly. be together because we all kind of recognize that sort of misfitness about one another. So we're going to do this. And then the, where the strife comes in is that not everybody's on that page yet. Yeah. You know? In the first and, movie, they were forced together. And yeah, they're choosing, they're, to be they're, they're choosing to be together, and 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 I think I think Batista's got it wrong, man. I honestly think the scene where he is looking at the lake uh, with uh, oh. Mantis and she touches him, and his expression doesn't change, but she immediately feels all of the the pain that he feels inside. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it, it, I think that's one of the strongest scenes in the movie. Absolutely. You know, no, I th- that was a decent scene. I, I mean, I liked that one. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. I needed Mantis to be a naive child character. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, Steve Steve Engelhart's gone on the record as as saying like that's not yeah, Mantis. That's not Mantis. Yeah, yeah I read that. <laughs> right. I read that too. I'm mean, like, when you already have Groot, I don't understand why you need another one. They're going. They're, they're. You got. I think you need to. Uh, here's the deal. I, I'm. I'm going to trust them to mature mm. her between the movies because there was an arc uh, that changed between. Uh, Gamora, Volume One to Volume Two. There's an arc that changed between Drax from Volume One to Volume Two. Rocket's essentially the same. Groot's, he's understandably different, uh, right. but also the same. Star Lord is making that change when he gets new information that maybe he could have a different family than the one he's got. Mm-hmm. That's what that's the the monkey wrench. But almost everybody else is on board with this, you know. And I think Gamora works in trying to kind of keep everybody together i think that was a really there, there's some great touches in this and i think you i think it's important that they have that family vibe because we're not going to get the fantastic four anytime soon and this is the surrogate <laughs> this yeah. is the stand in oh, i'm sure i'm sure 20th century fox can throw out another schlock fantastic four iteration 20th uh, century fantastic. 20th Century Fox is too busy trying to use up the last of their X-Men credit before 2018. That's why there's three movies in fast production right now to try and get them out before the end of next year. So uh, let's talk about Ego, because Ego was something I am overwhelmingly happy about with the movie. I I was really leery going in about Ego. Um, I was like... Ego as the happy dad. I mean, the fact that it's different from Starlord's actual dad, you know, the Lord of the Sun or whatever, you know, like, I Just, get uh, why they went, yeah, I get why they went a different <laughs> route on that. Yeah. Which is but I was why, like, yeah, 
you can't you always know, like keep e- it to the movies. I mean, right. The Ego as the happy, you know, father, you know, I was like, uh, there's, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, the reveal on that was perfect. Uh, to me, that's when the movie actually started. Um, you know, <laughs> and I was like, that, that was great. And everything that happens from that point onward, I love, I love that then when we cut to them in orbit around Ego, you see the face. Oh, that was the best. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, looks like it came right out of a comic panel. That was beautiful. Um, I, I love all of that. So, um, what do you guys think of Kurt Russell as Ego? I loved it so much because <laughs> Kurt Russell is Kurt Russell is an American treasure. I will fight. Okay, I thought you were going to say Kurt Russell else. is Ego. He's <laughs> no, like, no, man, that's he's, hard. He's great. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's awesome, and he's uh, probably one of the best actors ever. I will fight anybody that says differently. Okay. <laughs> Kurt Russell in anything. I don't know. David Hasselhoff was also in this movie for two seconds. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I liked the fact that they uh, used Kurt Russell because he is likable, right? Mm. And initially, he he's that's what he's trying to be. You know, he's a manipulator. You know, uh, that the, and I thought that aspect of of using Russell in that personality worked really well. You want to like him. You want the two of these guys to kind of you know reconcile. That game of catch is. Like, oh, you know, it's a heartstring thing, you know, uh, and, and, and it's, that's all part of the, the cunning plan, isn't it? You know? Uh, and so I, mm. I, uh, I think he worked well Yeah. and, and, it, and this is, this is kind of where we're at, you know, by the time I found out that he was going to be playing ego, the loving planet, my response was, oh, cool. We're going to get ego. <laughs> you know, like I didn't even like, oh, that's too far now. Oh, you've done it, Marvel. There's no way that's going to work. I was like, oh, great. We're getting Ego the Living Planet. I didn't care. I was just like, yeah, whatever you want to do. <laughs> Although my concern was less about Ego. It was more that was was going to be it. It was more that they're turning him away from being a villain. And, uh, you know, that's, but yeah. Wow. Then obviously no no danger there, was. brother. <laughs> yep. No danger there. Uh, that was I, when he's when he switches off and realizes he can't get him with charm. Yeah, you know, he says, I'll just have to use you as a battery instead and sticks the guy, you know, yeah. with a lance of, of energy. Uh, that's cool. I mean, and, mm. I, and by, by, by cool, I mean, like, I like the fact that that's the response, you know? Yeah. Uh, I like the fact that his response is, uh, oh, the hell with this, boom. You know, I love the fact that as soon as Quill finds out that, that Ego put the tumor in Mom's head, and, oh. and I, I should say this for the record, I really thought, like when I found, you know, when they said oh, he's, he's from the stars, my first thought was, oh, that's why she's sick. You know, she's been mm-hmm. exposed to some alien thing, you know, because yeah. they never really tell you what she's dying of. They don't tell you it's cancer. They, I mean, it could have been leukemia. You know, we don't really know. Right. Uh, but I always assumed that her contact with the, the, the thing was what made her sick. And then when they show, <laughs> well, when they show, when they show him and he's got the planter, I thought, oh, that's what did it. She's got the plant, and that's what made her sick. I never thought for a second that he put the tumor in. So I'm right. I'm Quill right there. You know, it, it broke my heart to put that tumor in her in her head, and he's just like his response is, "I'm just going to shoot him into pieces." <laughs> right, I know. I love that. It was did so did you just make that pun on purpose, though? I'm really curious if you just made that pun on purpose. No, I'm just naturally a genius. <laughs> yeah, that's I why just, I started laughing because you said the thing, the and thing. I'm like, uh, I see what he's doing there. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, but that was the you know that was the cool. Uh, uh, I, I like that you know there there was a certain amount of um, 
honesty that you know okay so we're he's not going to try and save him now you know it's not but you're my mm. father how could you there was there's no dicking around on the weather vane you know <laughs> it's just all right let's let, let's get into this okay so you're, you're my dad but you're you're an asshole so now i'm going to shoot you in the head well yeah because he had nine years of his life with his mom but you know this guy even though he's his dad you know he just met him right so of course he's going to be devastated that he killed his mother the other thing i like about that is that it has you reevaluate uh the mantis scene earlier when she says oh ego has me around because he has trouble sleeping because he thinks about his progeny and you know progeny is one of those words that can be singular or plural right so you think she's talking about oh he's just so concerned because he can't find peter you know, exactly. when you first, you know, but once you once you find out about all the other kids and everything else, you sort of reevaluate and realize, oh no, he just can't sleep because of the horror of having murdered all his children. Yeah, the, and that, that's the, why he has madness. The abattoir beneath his own uh, surface is is mm-hmm. yeah, it's a wonderful that's metaphor. Not what I got that I didn't get that he couldn't sleep because he had some sort of guilt about killing his offspring. I figured, I got yeah, that I didn't get that at all. Yeah, he just couldn't sleep because he felt alone in the universe or his master plan wasn't coming to fruition he didn't have an iota of guilt about um any of his kids i mean he didn't if he's willing to put a tumor into the head of the woman he loves he's not gonna give a crap about killing kids well and it's and it's also pretty obvious that he loved all of them didn't he you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, well, right. I, I don't mean like, you know, uh, uh, in, in, in a physical sense, that's obvious. But, you know, he would have said whatever he had to say yeah. to these to the every one of these different species to, to get his thing uh, right. accomplished. So I think that's I'm, I'm, I, did, I did the thing again, didn't I? Yeah. Well, my, I mean, I, I see. I, I did get the impression and who knows, maybe ego was just lying about that. But I did get the impression that. Uh, Peter's mother was special. That he really did. That ego really did love her. You know, he said he'd yeah. gone back one more time. Right, but is that just because ego is Kurt Russell level actor, or yeah. is that serious? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah at, at this point, it, it largely doesn't matter because yeah, right. uh, you know, uh, it, you know, whatever, whatever he said, you know, he let's. Did what he did. Let, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did what he did, and so I, I like the fact that we have uh, gone full circle, and I, I love the the closure that we get with. Um, with Yondu as well. I mean, that's, you know, uh, and, and to, to your point, your earlier point about how this is not the, the comic book direction, the comic book, uh, Gamora to that. I say good. Thank you. Um, I, I have come, uh, I've come full circle on this. My, uh, original problem with a lot of superhero movies was that they ignored the source material and they mm. did so with, with great hubris and, and derision. This this idea, yeah, we know what makes a story, kiddo. You just you go read your funny books and you leave the thinking to the grown-ups in the room, you know. And then that's where you get Batman and Rob, you know. And that's when you get uh, Elektra or Catwoman, <laughs> you know, or, Gre- or Green Lantern, you know, or even Fantastic Four or, or Fan- either, either version of the Fantastic Four. You know, this this notion of. Uh, you know how this is how we do a superhero movie, kids, and, and clearly you need to just step back and let the grown-ups do their work. I think that uh, if some of these second and third and fourth tier characters need to be streamlined mm-hmm. so that they make sense within what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing, I yeah. think that's okay now. I think with Drax, there's more room to play with there, but Gamora is 
such an excellent character as she was um and that to me is a real problem especially with thanos because the whole beauty of her character is that in the comics it isn't that he murdered her race and you know took her as like some sort of like captive or whatever it's that he found a world where everyone had already been wiped out and it was his one act of kindness was taking this child and raising her as his own. And Gamora actually likes Thanos. There's a whole nuance that's going to be lost in the whole Thanos equation. And in fact, I don't think they're going to be able to establish Thanos very well, even with two movies, because so many characters. And having that level area of the backstory would have given Thanos a dimension that they are completely missing uh, with Gamora as this this sort of uh, conservative human-ish woman that they've made her. I want out-and-out dangerous woman in the galaxy who's totally fine with sex whenever she wants it. Uh, You know, I I think that would have been a much more fun character to even play with, but uh, they they try to... They they love this A's vibe that they've established, which I understand for the nostalgia factor, but at the same time, it's like trying to make everything uh, human-ish. Even the whole thing of Taserface. Okay, it's a stupid name, but why would they laugh? Because he's been serving with them for a long time. So Rocket, who comes from Earth and is an evolved raccoon, makes sense. He would laugh, but why does everybody else laugh? You get the impression that they've been laughing behind his back the whole time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never, I never thought for a second that they weren't. You know, they they've just been quiet about it because he is, you know, a badass. But um, when when Rocket makes it okay to laugh, that's when they laugh. Yeah, and uh, to go back to your your point about Gamora, I, I don't think you're giving, well, frankly, the Russo brothers or whoever might be responsible for it. It's the enough. Russo brothers. It's the Russo, yeah, yeah, but I just engineer it could be, you know, it, it's somewhere in there. It could be in Guardians Volume Three. Whenever it happens, I don't think. No, Guardians you, Volume Three is still James Gunn. Yeah, but. Let me get to my point. Sorry. Uh, whoever it is, when it happens, I, it would be entirely possible to do a scene where you know Thanos does have Gamora, and he does you know pull like the whole you know mind meld or whatever, and he shows her that in fact he did save her. That you know it, it, you could create that complexity with the character and with the relationship. Still, it's not. I don't think. I think it's a little um, simplistic to say that just because we set it up like this, this is how it has to be for the next two or three movies. There's well, the the cosmic the co- the Infinity Gauntlet, you know, as it stands, reshapes reality. Yeah. So, and we're getting a two parter. Uh, there, there's certainly some room in there for that. And I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if they transfer that point from Gamora back to Nebula, and Nebula betrays the Guardians. Well, I mean, mm. Nebula does have an important role. And the Infinity Gauntlet story, so... Right, and that was what they set up. I've heard people say, this doesn't set up anything for Infinity Gauntlet. I'm like, the whole thing where Nebula goes off at the end, that's setting up Infinity, because I think they're going to go uh, very close to what happened in the comics, where Thanos basically tortures Nebula through yeah. three-quarters of the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, makes her his sort of, like, uh, trophy showing, like, this is what I can do. Yeah. Um, so I, I, th- I think we're going there. Right, exactly. It's yeah. gonna it's gonna be interesting because they're they're going to have to again they're gonna have to telescope down, you know, this larger story with all this back care uh, back baggage stuff. But um, I think the way that they've been seeding it and it's clear that they've been building up to Thanos, you know, really since well since Thor, you know, uh, yeah. and they enter, as, as soon as they introduced the Tesseract and everything is when we started getting into this. 
I, I think it's I think it's a, a fine bridge. And in fact, there's a lot of speculation that rather than have him court death, uh, he's going to court Hela, right? Uh, in 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 Thor, which wouldn't surprise I, me. Well, you see them simplifying everything because I mean they it's made... a terrific simplification. Because how many how many death gods do we need in the Marvel universe? <laughs> well, because you, you, they they already have ego saying that he's a celestial, which he isn't in the comics. So I think celestial is going to become a sort of term for just all cosmic beings. Like they're probably going to say the collector right. and the game master. They're all celestials, quote unquote. Right. It's 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 easier because you know rather than try and and make fifty years of individual stories from individual comics spread out uh, with decades between them, try to somehow retroactively make sense, pick a term, group it together and go. Mm -hmm. And kind of to be against all this, so to speak, but to bring it back to guardians too, uh, you have to give this movie credit for not setting up infinity gauntlet. It really in any way whatsoever i mean this is uh the rare sequel that they built the world in the in the first movie and now they're just doing character development by and large in the second one there was no tie there were no more stones there was no more celestial well aside from ego but there was no more build-up towards the even the ten thousand after credit scene <laughs> none of them had anything to do with the avengers or what's coming down the line i gotta i gotta say probably the only reason uh, the only uh, nascent uh, form of, um, of of building is, is putting Nebula in the ship oh, and maybe yeah. Mantis. Well, they're, and they're setting up Guardians 3 with the whole Atom thing. Right, yeah. Oh. Which disappoints me that he's not going to be in Infinity War, but oh well. I'm surprised they're doing that at all, frankly. You talk about hey, streamlining. He might. He might show up in Infinity He might show up at the mm. end of Infinity War 1 and be the the thing that pops for Infinity for, in, Infinity War Two, you don't know. Do See, you? I thought they were going to use Vision as a stand-in. There's no way to give Adam the relationship with the Soul Gem that he would need to have any impact on the Infinity War story. He doesn't have the background with Thanos if he's just being birthed. Yeah. Right. You know, I I am I am ninety nine point nine percent sure that that is for Guardians Three, and they're basically going at the route of Adam started out as a villain in comics as him mm-hmm. you know yeah. and so they're taking it back to the very beginning rather than the evolved adam that we're used to seeing in comics right. I-, I wish that she hadn't called him adam because it doesn't make sense for an alien to call him adam uh i i feel like him would have been better and we the comics fans would have all known who that was anyway but you know it, it is what it is but I-, I think it would have been sillier to call him him i shall call him him <laughs> And he and I shall be she and me, and he shall be us, and they are all together. All this stuff, though, with talking about how people, how people can't swallow this alien culture. Then why is it so steeped in human stuff? Like naming somebody Adam. It just, I don't know. It just, they need to be more consistent. I think. I don't think they were speaking English. They were speaking Sovereign. Okay. So it was the Sovereign equivalent no. of that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably Glyphoflorn in, yeah. in, in our language. Right. You know. Um, so, all right. So you teased us earlier, uh, Teasy Face, with some cameo that you don't think we ca- caught. Uh, was it Ben Browder? Who, who, who are you? Oh, you, you, you jerk. You jerk. It's obvious. I had to whisper it to the wife. <laughs> Right, yeah, Ben oh, no, Browder was one of the golden people. Too. 
But the second I saw him on the screen, and it makes me so happy because this actually goes back further. For those for those that don't know, obviously Ben Browder was uh, Michael. Uh, yeah, Michael John Crichton inside of a uh, Farscape, which is probably one of the most underrated science fiction series of all time. Ugh. And James Gunn is a heavy Farscape fan, so much so that so this the second I saw the opening, well. The opening where it's introducing um, Star Lord in the present, not the opening when he gets uh, when he gets abducted at the very beginning of the movie, but the the scene right after that where he's dancing inside of the um, inside of the treasure place where he's trying to get the uh, where he's trying to get the um, Infinity yeah. Gem, but um, and listening to the music and dancing all that. Second, I see that scene, I was just like, "Why is this? This is this is Farscape. This is heavy Farscape." Like that's <laughs> all I could think of. And then, so about like a couple months after the movie came out, uh, James Gunn was doing like one of those open Q and A things because he was bored on his Facebook page. And so I, so I on Facebook go, "How you know how inspired?" I forgot the direct quote. I'd have to look it up on my phone because I have it. I have the uh, the quote screen cast, but I was just like, how heavily influenced were you by Farscape, and you know, like, how big of a Farscape fan you are you, and so, w- he did actually respond to my question, because I got it in pretty fast, and he was just like, oh, heavily, This it's very, you know, I was a huge Farscape fan, heavily inspired by Farscape, second I found that out, and then I I heard, like, months later that he was talking to Ben to see if he could get him in the second one. And I, and the popular fan theory was that Ben was actually going to be whoever Star-Lord's dad is, and that was going to be the homage there. Mm. So seeing him in a much smaller role, but still in the second movie, I thought it was such a fun nod. And obviously, only those of us that are Farscape fans and know of Farscape probably nerded out in the theater as much as we all did, but it's my favorite cameo in the whole movie and just being able to, you know, see Ben in a, in a science fiction um, property again was, was a really fun nod. My favorite cameo is the cameo that didn't happen. Which, which one? The one that got cut, uh, the Nathan Fillion. Oh yeah. Yep. As okay. Simon Williams. You know, yep. I, yeah, I, I'm the. I'm assuming that on the Earth scenes when, when Earth is being destroyed, maybe that's where they were going to have the Simon Williams Film Festival, but they were going to have all these Simon Williams movie posters, him playing Tony Stark, you know. And uh, <laughs> I, I would have loved to have seen, even just as an after credit, uh, a twenty first after credit uh, teaser of Simon Williams playing of Nathan Fillion, Fillion playing Simon Williams playing some other character. It would have been awesome. So, how do, speaking of cameos, how do you guys all feel about Pac-Man? <laughs> that was fun, and it's it's obvious that was the one that they could um, get the rights to, because I'm sure they tried to get the rights for like any of the huge properties. I'm sure they reached out to uh, Nintendo. I'm sure they reached out oh, to. Uh, oh, 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 hold on a minute here. You're saying Pac-Man is not a huge property? No, no. I'm saying like. Of the huge properties, <laughs> Pac-Man was the one they could get. Okay, I, I think I, I think it suffers. It suffers a little bit from the terrible movie Pixels. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. You know, it would have. I would have almost preferred some other '80s staple. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know what that would have been. I, I think Eric is right, though, that this is the one they could get the rights to. Because yeah, my one sure. thing about sure. it was he didn't come from like '83 or '84. He was taken in '88. Pac-Man was old news in '88. He was not the cool thing. It should have been like Mario 
or a ninja turtle or something yeah. like that that yeah. would have been what he would have been like you know gaga over yeah but he was new to his powers the pac-man form is pretty easy to form <laughs> but no but i do love that though because you see the you see ego creating like just a big yeah. stone version of his human form and you see the rocks coming on peter and you think he's doing the same thing it's going to be two giant rock men and then it's all of a sudden it's it's pac-man you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I did I, I i do like it uh when when andy occasionally shows up uh in in the peter quill reads you know uh well, like when he talks about making stuff he's like i'm gonna make some really weird yeah, yeah. it could be skeletor and pac-man and some really good heather locklear heather locklear it's a great uh it's a it's a great uh sort of uh interpretation of that uh thing yeah actually uh I, I there's a there's a a name in the credits that uh, she doesn't have a speaking role, but Molly Quinn's in this movie. Oh, is she? Yeah, she's talking to Howard the Duck at the bar, oh, okay. and actually, she's not talking to Howard. She's laughing at the thing he's saying. Mm. That was Molly Quinn. That was Molly Quinn. You, you, know, you know what's crazier? Um, quick, you know the. Know. Um, uh yeah, what, the robot original guardian. Oh um, right, right. Uh, that's yeah. uh, Miley, Miley Cyrus, Cyrus for crying yep. out loud. Yeah, and then of course Ving Rhames is Charlie Twenty Seven. Yes, I love. I liked. Uh, I liked uh, Ving as Charlie. That was a cool uh, thing. Uh, fun fact: They didn't need to use CGI on him. I kid. Oh, of course not. I kid <laughs> Ving. Uh, no, he he can. They they absolutely did. No, uh, Molly Quinn's in it. Uh, I hope. That when James Gunn gets to do his Howard the Duck movie, and they will give and we'll give it to him, right. you know, because he's now produced two of the biggest grossing Marvel movies of all time, right. and it's pretty obvious that he is a real Howard the Duck fan, not the master of quack foo. Uh, so he's yes. got good taste. He's got actual good taste. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and and this is where his indie sensibilities, you know, from trauma and and working, you know, in, in the in the low budget trenches, he 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 needs to do he needs to do real Howard the Duck. And I would love and Molly Quinn as as Bethany would be awesome. But, I'm, I'm uh, still super bummed out because I was you convinced. Mean Beverly? Wasn't it Beverly? Yeah, yeah. That's, it is Beverly, Beverly. not Bethany. Thank you. Um, I was super bummed out to find out that an Easter egg I was convinced was a certain character turned out not to be that character, especially when we already had. So we had Ego and we had the um, we obviously had the Watchers. Mm-hmm. Oh, so nice. there's a there's a one. scene. It's a second planet jump where these there's these two people just beating the crap out of each other. And it's like maybe like a three second scene. So you blink and you miss it. Their coloration and what they're wearing looked exactly like Terex. Yeah. And I was convinced. Well, nope, it wasn't. Oh. It's already been confirmed. It's, uh, it was two of, uh, it was whatever Korg's race is. It's two of his people. The well, rock uh, people. Terex is probably part of the FF license because probably Galactus That's what and I was all thinking, his heralds. Yeah. Are, are yeah, but but I'm surprised the Watchers are not part of the FF license. That's what blew nah, me away. They're 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 above it all, man. They're <laughs> above it all, my friend. Uh, so, like yeah. I said, I was super bummed to find out that wasn't Terex. Because yeah. Oh, so I wasn't the only one that noticed that. No, you I thought it was Terex. Oh yeah. yeah. I was yeah. so bummed out to find I'm, I'm out that it guy. wasn't. Also, I own a movie theater, so I can watch this as much as I want. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, the, way, the way it's explained to me is that Marvel and Fox, or rather Disney and Fox, share the Watchers, but Uatu is pure Fox. Okay, so that makes sense. They oh, so that's a Stanley is Stanley and not Uatu? Yeah, uh, I'm guessing. Okay. Or, 
that makes sense because yeah there are there, there are some weird things about the agreement that's why you could have two quicksilvers because one owns mutants and the others own avengers and it's like well he's both so we can both have him <laughs> right though though real fast since i was talking about korg i am so i'm a huge planet hulk fan mm-hmm. and i knew that we'd get some variation of the warbound so to hear that korg and meek were both confirmed for ragnarok i'm so happy yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna. They're gonna finish some world building, and I think destroying Asgard is gonna let everybody go into space. Uh, you know, where they have to flee to other realms. You know. Yep. Uh, so uh, I think this works. I think it's gonna be. I think that's the through line, and I'm not sure what role uh, Doctor Strange is gonna play in. in well, we uh, have nine uh, realms. Right, we have the nine known realms, right? Yeah, and, except for uh, the multiverse too. Now we have the multiverse too. It'll it'll be very well. I don't know that we do the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, not not in the sense of like the Fantastic Four and the X Men kind of multiverse. I'm talking like just the word multiverse, and we could see like alternate realities. So we could maybe see teases at like Marvel Noir, or you know, like some some really fun quick nods. Right, the Ancient One said there was a multiverse. Yeah. I hope uh, I hope they take that. Uh, let's. I hope that. Co- I hope they continue to build slowly but steadily, especially because you know, guys, they've got such a hurdle. Oh I mean, yeah, they've done. You know, everybody. There was there was there was a little bit of complaint about the Avengers: uh, Age of Ultron, and a little more complaint about Captain America: Civil War. Oh, it's too many characters. Is superhero fatigue really setting in? <laughs> I keep thinking you guys really aren't looking ahead on the schedule, are you? Because this yeah, is going to get a whole lot more crowded. Yeah. They realize this year how big where it's about to get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they have no idea. But 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 in all honesty, uh, hmm. what a great buildup, you know, and. Uh, whether it succeeds or fails, you know it won't be because of, of, of for lack of effort on their part. It won't be because they've decided to phone it in. In fact, I think just the opposite is true. I think they're being very deliberate and calculating and meticulous with it. So yeah. um, the fact that they have pulled millions of people along who now consider themselves Marvel fans that don't read comics and don't go to comic book shops is a, is a testament to the the the, the relationship with which the movie universe is cherry picking uh, the best stuff out of the comics. You know, there's they're skimming all the cream, right. and they're and they're leaving all the clabber. You know, and that's and, good. Yeah. And we're we're thinking about it one term. I mean, I don't think any of the of the fans are really are thinking to phase four. You know, we're, we're kind of wow. we've almost got this mentality that the Marvel the MCU has to end at the end of phase three. But no, we don't want everything now. They've got to have this setup, be it Adam Warlock or you know that whatever happens post Asgard destruction. For yeah. because I want phase five, six, seven, eight. I want to be able to to see them recast these roles because it's just you know uh, Sean Connery doesn't need to be James Bond anymore. Uh, this, type this, scenario. Would cer- this would certainly be a good opportunity to do that at the end of uh infinity war my hope even though i don't think it's going to happen is that thor ragnarok introduces either beta ray bill or eric masterson but i don't think we're going to get oh, either i want beta ray bill so bad <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you why i think they need to um uh they need to not be so intent on following the stunt casting route i think these characters by and large 
are are working well because they're tapping in. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need more women and people of color, but Marvel has that already. And what I would like to see them do is develop that other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I want to see. I want a Black uh, Widow movie. We should have gotten one by now. Right, I think. Yeah. I think we can all agree. Oh you know, yeah. She she has uh, yeah, she, I tell you she surprised the hell out of me. I thought she was okay in, in Iron Man two. I thought well cool she did some stunt work that's awesome that's not normally what I expect out of that tulpa. But uh, she has really become uh, one of the characters that I like the best. A breakout character. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to Spider Man Homecoming, but the fact that Captain Marvel got pushed back because of Spider Man Homecoming ticks me off to uh, no see, end. That to me yeah. doesn't really make it was only like five months. So it's like it's not like you're not getting a Captain Marvel movie. It's But on the other side, we're also gonna get Ant Man and the Wasp. Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And we and That's we wouldn't have got, and they they've shoehorned that in instead of putting it in Fish 4 as well. Right. I think because there's a need for this stuff. Oh, so yeah. I, so and and this is nothing against. Uh, I, if Chris Evans doesn't want to be Captain America anymore, I understand. Uh, but what I'd really like is if if the, in the Phase Four movie, <laughs> I just think they're the coolest thing in the whole world. I want Cap and Falcon on motorcycles going across the country, <laughs> not in costume, right. but <laughs> fight, but but like getting into trouble. Like like I want I want an Easy Rider movie with Black nice. Widow trying to with Black Widow chasing them trying to bring them in and the uh, and the Winter Soldier being yeah, chased by them trying to evade. Uh, she, she's on the run now too. Right. I think I love that idea. You know, and and I, and I would personally yeah. watch that. I know that nobody else would. Uh, yeah. Well, it's like we don't need Iron Man four. We need Iron Man War Machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Give Cheat now. Let Cheetle take the reins. You yeah. can't uh, his. His his I love his roads. Nothing against uh, what what Terrence, Terrence did in the first movie, yeah. but I I'm a Don Cheadle fan anyways. Ever since I'm in a blue dress, he was he's always been one of my favorite actors. Uh, I think he's intense. I think he's funny, and uh, I love his his uh, his take on things. He he he's not afraid to be like a hard nosed guy, but he also knows when to throw the quip. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so yeah, let's let's get the war machine or or U.S. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, US agent U.S. agent or whatever. Right. You know. So so there's I, there's there's a there's a ton of that stuff that I think can can certainly be implemented into phase four. And if if Downey Jr. wants to walk away and take a break, that's cool. If he wants to pass the suit on, if they need to recast, that's okay. But I'm I'm less interested in um the in the Falcon taking over the role of Captain America. Hmm. Like I cause because here's the deal. And and this goes back to like how I feel about these characters. I love the Falcon. Mm-hmm. I don't want the Falcon to go away. He's a oh, I love the Falcon too, yeah. Oh especially especially what they've done for him in the movies. He's way cooler in the movies. I mean, I love, I loved him as a kid. Anyways, he was just one of my favorite characters because he had a he had a he had a Falcon named Red Wing, and he flew, and he was friends with Captain America. And to me, like, I was like, hey, I want it. That's me. I want. Oh, I love. I want to fly. I love the I behind the scenes. Um. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I love no, no, the no, behind okay. the scenes stuff between uh, him and. Uh, well, he was he was basically ribbing slash um, welcoming the new kid into uh, into the Marvel movie verse with uh, with the new Spider Man. He's he gave him so much crap during the uh, during Civil War. All the interviews, he's just completely picking on the kid. Oh I can't yeah, think yeah, of yeah, his yeah, name right now. It was yeah. so it was so yeah. funny. But to bring things back to Guardians, we can have <laughs> we can have an MCU podcast at some point. <laughs> I have such a nerdy nitpick. About the movie. Okay, what is your nerdy neckpick? Okay, so 
I'm a huge fan of this character, and I'm really annoyed by what they by the fact that they only show this character in the end credits, even though he's you know in 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 you know Nate because you've read the um, DNA run of a. Uh, of uh, Guardians, and mm-hmm. he's he's a pretty big Guardian inside of the comics, but he's yet to officially join the team inside of uh, inside of the movie verse. Even though in the new um, uh, Disneyland uh, uh, Guardians breakout, he's heavily involved there too. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Cosmo. We see Cosmo yeah. inside of the end credits for five seconds, yeah. and he's such a major part inside of the new the new Avengers or I mean uh, Avengers Guardians ride inside of a. Uh, Marvel this is Studios the first one too. Yeah, and he's in the first, the first one. one. Yet, yeah. yet he hasn't officially joined the team. What, what the hell, James Gunn? Are you just teasing <laughs> until the third movie? Yeah, I, I've been disappointed by the lack of Cosmo as well. But I figured that was something that's just, you know, that's just something I would like. But you know, <laughs> oh, you're not the only one. Okay. I, I want I my, co- I, my I Russian cosmonaut space dog. I want him. Well, okay, I'm gonna bring it back to. Batista's complaints about Drax not having any, uh, any, I guess, agency or, or a good role in the film. Because uh, I'm also going to disagree with this for two points. One, like I believe, Mark, you know, Mark was saying that his scene, you know, looking out of the lake, was probably the most emotionally powerful scene in the entire movie. But two, Ego is a living planet. There's really just not much for him to to fight. Uh, so yeah, he's laughing and bombastic, but the power of Drax is when he's being swallowed up by the sand and he lifts mantis above him to save her even at his own expense i think his character is the true is probably the most heroic of the all the guardians and and i think that's why he's kind of breakout character among fans um my wife went in expecting to love a baby you know a, a talking tree in the first one and she came out talking non-stop about Drax, and a lot of yeah. people did. There, there were things that Drax, like why he couldn't pronounce the batteries right, which just seemed like really <laughs> silly dumb with no explanation. That has nothing to do with not understanding metaphors. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, why can't you pronounce it i don't understand <laughs> those those are i you know i, I i'm not gonna um i'm not gonna disagree with any of that stuff i feel like they are all uh nits to pick and i and i don't mean to belittle your opinions at all i'm i'm saying that those are uh, nobody i don't think any of you think that those things ruin the movie you know what no. i mean yeah yeah i mean i think we all can agree that uh that it you know it, it absolutely exceeded uh, the first one, uh, just in in terms of having the 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 cojones to double down. Well, I mean, I, I get what you're saying there, because to me, I don't think it is better than the first one because I think as a narrative, as a story, oh. it doesn't really. It's a sequence of sort of events until like the last quarter when it actually like becomes a story. Mm-hmm. It just seems very random and not really well defined or connected. It felt very aimless like a day to me. In the life. Yeah, it felt very aimless to me until basically they discover the dead children in on Ego's planet, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is when the movie starts. You know, <laughs> I will. Uh, I, I, I'll. I'll. I'll politely, respectfully disagree. Okay. I. Th- I think that you got to split these characters up. Uh, especially because Rocket is not on board with the let's all be friends and family plan. Yeah. I think it made perfect sense to give him to Yondu. And I think the re- I think having those two get characters bouncing off of one, e- one another uh, so that we can get to that scene where Yondu realizes, oh, that's me. Oh, you know, you know they, they see that in one another. I, I think that worked. 
perfectly. Yeah. And I think yeah. I think that's a great setup to that final thing. You know, Rocket's still going to be the group asshole, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I think we all can agree that's and, and and should never not be right. Right. But I think now he's going to maybe be the group asshole that's a little less self-absorbed and a little more of a team player. He might can, not still can we talk about? I did enjoy the whole thing of, you know, he may have been your father, but he's not your daddy kind of thing. And I understand yeah. that that moment needed to happen, especially for the emotional, you know, connection of he's giving his life for Peter. But it felt to me like the whole Ravager sequel, because first of all, I don't care about a bunch of space pirates, basically. Um, right. And, and it felt overly long, and it felt like we could have gotten to that with him and Rocket sooner. But it felt like they just had to pad it out, so it like sort of ran parallel with what was going on with Peter on Ego's planet. And I, I just found a lot of those scenes tedious. Well, they, they you had to have the Ravagers, yeah, because you had to have Yondu uh, confront his first family, right? <laughs> and, and when when Stallone leans in, and says, "You broke my heart to have to kick <laughs> you out," you know, that's where you know here here we see you know he's been rejected not only not only not only orphaned by his real parents but rejected by his first family mm-hmm. you know and so we we now see the setup for Yandu wanting to keep one of the kids not necessarily because i mean sure he didn't want ego to to kill another one but uh, we see him trying to make his own family that's what all this is about you know we need a tribe you know, and uh, so I, I, I think you're right. It is a little long, but I, my, at this point, I didn't mind the journey getting there because I felt like it all, it all paid off in the way that it needed to pay off. The if there was any part of the thing that honestly, and this is weird because in, in, what you're saying is, you know, until they find the abattoir, it doesn't take off. To me, there's a point in that space battle where all of the all of the ships are all the sovereign ships are flying around and they're picky picky pew pew mm-hmm. pew and all that kind of stuff and all, all, half the guardians are picky pew 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 in the inside the ego and uh, everybody else is running around it, it just i got a kind of a sort of a mental it, it almost like it almost flips a switch in me like epilepsy where i just go <laughs> god i need to check out for a minute it's too much going on at one time uh, and and i would have liked to have seen a little bit less of that because uh, I, I, it's hard for me to appreciate it because it's so much. Yeah. I like it better when you know I, when when it's just them trying to run from the armada in space. I can hold that in my head, but with that's going on and Quill and Ego are fighting, I mean, there's there was a sort of like it, it was battle fatigue. You know, right. I, I almost had like a PTSD reaction to it. I, I guess that's the best way that I can explain because to me it was like the humor just always went like a step too far like the whole thing with group bringing the wrong things it was like it was like one thing too many like every single time it was like it was funny it was funny and it's like okay come on it's it's too much or like group pressing the button it was like okay it was funny it was funny then he runs to the brain he's right next to ego's brain and it's like oh is he going to press the wrong button it's like we know when he picks the wrong one first that it's not i mean it's not even like at that point even funny anymore it's It's like they just kind of like you know it's one step too far and so it kind of like fatigues me on the the humor when they take it one step beyond would you have thought it was that bad if you hadn't seen it in the previews no because i didn't see groot taking the wrong thing 
in the previews and that also i thought oh, you, was did, worth- you didn't see that scene in the previews okay there's a there's a preview where that scene shortened is you know no that's a button that'll kill everybody oh no no, no the, the button one yeah i'm talking about the one when the rocket and yondu are trapped in the ravager ship and they keep telling groot to bring the prototype thin oh. <laughs> that one was oh, like right, right. went like too long like there was like group brought like one thing wrong to me now the one thing i did appreciate is when he goes back yet again it's like oh god not another wrong thing and then the the the, the first mate or whoever shows up and he's like no not that one this one and he's the one that brings it because at least that his name is craglin and that is sean gunn sir (laughs) right he 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 was basically a generic character who supported yondu in the movie though (laughs) i i will fight you i will fight you i I get where nathan's coming from here and (laughs) i had the same problem with the dance like again the dance off and and the first one and for me i didn't have it for me in this one it was the whole taser face joke yeah it's funny ha 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 but then they just drag it out. Well, yeah, when the when the sovereign person, you know, the the sovereign who are like supposed to be the super elite, never you know look down on other races. When she starts cracking up to me, that was one step too far with the taser face joke too, because it was like she wouldn't show that emotion to an outsider. I just yeah. I just want to know, uh, and, and this is a table a question for the rest of the table: Who hurt you <laughs> as, as, as children? Did someone did I'm someone not on their the, side did on someone, this? Did someone flick lit Guardians of the Galaxy comics at your head to wake you up in the morning? Well, where's 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 the love? Yeah. Why are you dragging me in on that? I'm not. Okay, I'm so, not with them. Okay, so so it's us versus them. Okay, good deal. Yes. just making sure. Uh, hey, hey, I love the battle I, scene. So everyone's got their thing. <laughs> I love the fact that Craglin's now part of the main cast and will be in Volume Three. I love that he's in the Yondu. I thought that was that was a great nod at the end there. I like the fact that you're trying to use the Jedi mind trick to make that happen when, in fact, there's a really strong chance that the Infinity uh, Gems are going to bring Michael uh, Rooker back. No, 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 no. That would be a mistake. There's an interview with James Gunn where he specifically said, dead means dead in the cinematic universe. I hope and they right. are going to make sure that it stays that way. I it might be right. above his pay grade because dead does not mean dead in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, people have been coming back the entire no. The Michael Rooker, around. Michael, they would have to recast because Michael Rooker is is James Gunn's very good friend. Yeah, and he will stick by that decision. They well, somebody have to said that Michael role. Rooker's that name was on the cast list, so it might be a flashback or something. But I don't think they're going to bring it. It, might, it might be a flashback or an alternate reality. Right. You know, yeah. or, you know, a death this thing. thing. Talking about the end, you know, the stones. Who knows? He could come back to life for five minutes and then die again or yeah, yeah. This, it reorders reality so we have yeah. to be a, a prepared for you know w- there's no telling what we're going to see right. you know what i mean my friend joseph uh and fellow gentleman nerd uh signs off every podcast with red skull lives because he's convinced <laughs> that we're seeing red skull return uh that was set up they'd have to uh, no, well, no that up. was set up very early on because if the tesseract which was the stone that was used is the space stone which it is you know and what looked like happened in captain america the first avengers a big portal opened up at the top of the plane and he flew up into the portal so to me that means he ended up on other in fact that might be how thanos found out that infinity stones were on earth in the first see i think first avengers connected to uh, avengers that's when thanos learns that infinity stones are on earth and when he starts setting his plans in motion uh, you know, to to start collecting everything. So I I I think that Red Skull will show up in the Infinity War stuff too, even if it is played by somebody else. He's somebody that has to be recast, right. yeah, because he yeah. very specifically 
his contract was only for one movie, and I thought Hugo, uh, I thought Hugo Weaving was set up for three. No, Hugo Weaving has very specifically stated in interviews that he's he's not coming back to that role. It's the same situation that when he complained about uh, being Megatron, even though yeah. he was only a voice actor for that movie. It's still like it's like, well, dude, you collected a paycheck. Come on. <laughs> and you know what? Robert Downey Jr. said he was done with too. Well, so. thankfully, it's a big red mask that you can stick another actor behind. It's not right? going to change yeah. too much. The oh, I don't know. I thought was, for was great. Yeah, yeah I, I rewatched perfect. First Avenger recently, and I was to me that it's weak third act, but that film still holds up. That film See, still holds up. Again, before we get back to you know the Guardians of the Galaxy, I will say for Phase Four, Red Skull would be a good villain, but for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I do. Uh, yeah, Michael Rooker. If they brought him back, it would be it would just undo the entire emotional impact of his death, which well. Is, second most powerful scene of the movie i so don't good. mind i i agree with you i don't mind if we get uh i just don't want uh him to be called yondu you know he let's uh, craigan needs to keep his own name and oh need, yeah craiglin needs to be craiglin yeah we need to move on with that and 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 um you know he but but he's he's probably gonna end up being the comic relief in in volume three because oh, he's not gonna have control arrow yet are oh, we he's right gonna he's that? gonna be um He's gonna be the uh, the O'Brien. He's gonna be the the teleporter <laughs> that stays on the, <laughs> the ship. Chief, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So just really quick before we round out, because we have been going a bit long here. Um, I think I know based on some things that you guys were saying before, but how do you guys feel about having basically? the names of the original Guardians of the Galaxy characters, but obviously a completely different, you know, uh, version of them because they're all space pirates. Oh, uh, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I don't, I did not have any sort of uh, affinity for any of these characters going in, as I said mm. before. So if you need to recast the space pirates to make your cosmic introduction to the Marvel Universe, uh, you know, go for it. Uh, I don't. I don't think we're losing anything. You know. I mean, once you get out of top tier Marvel, uh, you got a lot of freedom. And in some cases, uh, where, where you have characters who are, are really strong and have a kind of a devoted following. Uh, a good example being Daredevil. Uh, not a top tier character, but strongly written. Uh, everybody knows Daredevil. You know, uh, a lot of cachet mm-hmm. there. Uh, by you know, uh, conversely. Nobody knows who the hell Charlie Twenty Seven is. Take that back. You know. <laughs> uh, well, no, he, he's not. Wrong. There's, there, there's well, they ten, know there's, who there's, they know who Ving Rhames is. Yeah, there's 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 ten of them know who Charlie Twenty Seven is. Uh, you know, metaphorically right. yeah. speaking, it's yeah. you know, and I'm sure there's somebody in, on the internet right now who who is is having a nightly scream into his internet pillow. <laughs> That they have completely destroyed the integrity of my favorite Marvel characters, the Guardians of the Galaxy. We're two movies in now, and Martin X has been on screen for a total of 17 <laughs> seconds. You know, and that guy can go be over there because nobody else knows or cares. See, uh, my my point of view has always been. If you want to create original characters, then just create original characters. Don't take the names of existing characters if you're not going to use any of their backstory, powers, or personality. Um, I, I don't get the point of that. My response to that, Nathan, would be, um, you know, an hour ago, you were defending changing Star-Lord's father from Jason, you know, the Golden Lord, to a living planet. Well, there's three tiers in my mind. There's three tiers. There's, there's bringing something direct from the comics. I think Rocket and Groot are pretty much 
pulled from the panels of the comics. They're sort of a, you take some elements, but you change some things. Star-Lord, Gamora, Ego, they kind of fall into those categories. Then there's, you've changed it so completely, other than the name, it's not the same character anymore. The Definitely the new Guardians count uh, in that category. Uh, Mantis counts in that category. It's three different levels, and to me, that bottom level is the one that it's like, why even bother? I mean, change some things, sure, but don't just take a name. I would say changing who someone's changing who someone's parent is is a fundamental change, but it works. It's a good change. So if they're yeah. going to change things for the better, I'm good with it. It's it, it's all about. I I I really think it's less a change and more a simplification. When you have so many different uh, iterations of these cosmic characters who wield godlike powers and all got a different name, every single one of them has a, a, has a different name, uh, and they've all got a different race, and they've all got a different backstory, uh, but they all basically function at that same power level. To me, the, telescoping that down into one thing and making them celestials and calling them all celestials, is, uh, it, it works much better and because even though you've changed uh, ego's father he's fulfilling the same kind of role right. and and by using this more cosmic entity that's kind of more associated with this other side of the story I think you make starlord actually a little bit of a stronger character yeah and and so I was talking you kind of level them up yeah, I was talking bit. about the the using the original guardians and changing them so completely. I agree with you completely about the simplification side and uh, you know sort of merging together various beings that are sort of share the same portfolio, you know, like maybe you know like we were talking about earlier Hela and Death possibly being merged together right. and things like that. But, you know, my thing has always been like the X-Men movies did this a lot of taking a name throwing it on a character and that character bears no resemblance to the character that the source material is just a name uh or a power um and that's that's the thing i always would like why not just create your own new character then well the, the x-men movies uh are are more about counting coup <laughs> and making sure that it's the, the, it's about having that checklist in front of the pl- the the fans so they can go oh there's colossus he turns over and crashes the door. check okay mm. next guy uh, oh, there's the beast. He's swinging on a pole uh, and and said something funny uh, with the vocabulary. Well, how is that different from having Stakar as the leader of an alien pirate band? Uh, n- because nobody, there, there's no fans in the audience uh, looking at the extent, going through the handbook of the Marvel <laughs> Universe on the page where the Guardians of the Galaxy are and going, aha! Ha! He was in three panels in Guardians of the Galaxy 4. Check. <laughs> no one's doing okay. that. Uh, and and then that's the difference. It's a, it's a question of scale because there's a ton of people who want Blob and Gambit in their in their Wolverine and X Men movies, and and so happy to get a iteration of that that they were just you know uh, so thrilled. Uh, even though I didn't recognize you know half that stuff, uh, they were so thrilled initially to get Deadpool. They didn't care that he talked or that he didn't. So, talk. so to you, the, the intent of the creator is more important than the result. I think as long as they're fulfilling the same narrative uh, space, uh, if you had to simplify it to get them there, and they're still uh, occupying that that realm and that echelon and that that uh, placeholder, then yeah, I think it works. I think if you uh, make Spider-Man's 
costume, uh, or if you if you make Daredevil's costume black because well he's supposed to be a ninja, and then you put a blindfold on him and go well he's supposed to be blind, mm-hmm. right? I mean he doesn't need to see, right. does he? And then you don't give him any, then uh, you don't give him the Billy Club, and you don't have him actually fight the hand, uh, but he goes up against a wealthy industrialist that and, that a private investigator could have taken mm-hmm. out instead of Daredevil. You go well that, that's the Daredevil, <laughs> but you know if you, if you change. Peter's dad from this solar celestial to Eagle the Living Planet, you now link Quill to the Celestials, which puts him in closer proximity with the Infinity Stones, which is more of the story they're trying to get us all to anyways. Right, you keep taking this back to Peter. I'm talking about Charlie 27's Dakar and because they don't feel, I mean, they're not freedom fighters against the Badoon who don't even exist in the MCU for some odd reason because it is one of the alien races they could use. But we do, but all we well, know. Let me answer that, Nathan, because uh, okay, I didn't read them. I, I didn't read Guardian. I don't know who the characters are. I mean, I saw, you know, the guy behind, beside me is like, oh, ooh, he got excited every time. I was like, oh, okay, good for you. You know, but no one else right. did except that one mm. guy. So yeah. I don't give a crap who they are or who they were. If they're entertaining, that's all that matters to me. It's the same thing. Well, it's like, no, but that, that makes sense. But then why not, why not change the name and call it something else then? That's my whole point. Why would you have a perfectly? It's like saying, "Why is Marissa Tomei uh, Aunt May? Why can't she be Aunt Phyllis?" <laughs> well, in, in this case, I think Gunn wanted to acknowledge the first Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's not the story that they're telling. Yeah. So what I th- so what it looks to me like, and this is, and and I may be completely wrong. This may end up being something that that comes back into Volume Three. But if though, but when Stallone says, "Let's go steal some," you know, if that never, if I never see those characters again. I'll know they're out there and they're a band and and they're doing their thing and I'm cool with that. You know, they're like the Beach Bowl that Brian Wilson. And I'm cool, you know, like go go tour. Yes, do your thing. Sing Kokomo. Nobody gives a shit. To to me, this is another short-sighted decision because, you know, with Marvel constantly talking about building up new franchises and they can't keep relying on the Avengers, having the 31st Century Guardians as something they could potentially do as a series of movies in the future would have made more sense in my mind. But and here's the deal, Nathan, we don't know what those plans are. I'm just saying if I never see him again, it's right. okay. There's not there, there's nothing that says they won't be in volume three. What if they're the <laughs> they're space pirates, right? They're basically mm. thieves. What if what if Stallone's gang are the are the rival thieves that keep dogging them in volume oh, three? I, that's what I expect is going to happen. I, I know I'm not saying they're never going to appear. I'm saying they're not that there's no reason to call them by those names. They could have been any group of characters that they created, and it's short-sighted because they could have used those characters closer to their comic interpretation later on. They could have, but they weren't. I mean, the the Guardians franchise, we're going to get, what, one movie every two to three years, and maybe fewer if you get something like a yeah. uh, Infinity War. So, no, we're, we're never going to get another iteration of that team that's that drastically different especially not with sylvester stallone well no no and well no i mean that's why i'm saying it's short-sighted because of the way that they're used no i would have said not even show them at all why not 
it's an Easter egg for the fans. It's it's you know something of it or it doesn't, but but why not include it? Because that's why I'm saying there could have been another series of movies in the future after James Gunn moves on or whatever that actually is Vance Astro and Charlie Twenty Seven. Okay, Star. and in 2092 right. when that happens, you know we we can re- by yeah. then the MCU will have been rebooted or something like that. Anyway, so it's, it's not a big deal. I there and there's nothing that says that uh, that that new Yondu won't rejoin them. I mean, who knows? I you know honestly, uh, I don't think. Uh, I, I think I think we're rearranging deck chairs on a ship that's not the Titanic. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I just don't see that this is. And here's why: the, because the Guardians of the Galaxy, there's been 17 now. Because uh, I, I know Marvel introduced 15 different Guardians books between you know 2010 and 2017 <laughs> right. because that's what right. they do. Prior to that, there were right. yes. But so let's just go with the three iterations of the Marvel Guardians. The initial one, which was terrible, the uh, one from the '90s that Jim Valentino did that makes me want to kill a puppy. <laughs> That's awful, but okay. It was, it was terrible. It was repugnant. It was it was embarrassing. And I've looked at that stuff <laughs> since then. It is it is the worst, most god awful, horrifying mid '90s. I've ever seen. Um, how that guy ended up in Image Comics is a mystery to me. I think he killed somebody, and 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 and, and, and that's how they were like, "Oh, we can't let the ape man in, or he kills too." Um, I digress. The Advent Annie stuff was supposed to be pretty good, but by then I was so sick of of the Guardian sucking that I didn't bother to read it. But if you look at how many characters were in those three books, it's something like twenty seven characters. So it's sort of, it's sort of like trying to to do a Legion of Superheroes movie, and go well. We can only get seven. What seven do we get? Oh well, you got to have this guy. Oh, you got to have the, you got to have Mono. You got to have Timberwolf. So I think there's a point at which you have to go. We're going to do it with you guys, and then we'll work some more in in the Guardian storyline. And you know they don't all have to be Guardians of the Galaxy. They're all part of the same family. You know, and wouldn't it be funny if they in the volume started calling themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy and people didn't know it because they've only heard the stories and don't know mm. what they look like. And so this could be a this could be a point, you know, but I, I'm right now. All it is is just someone basically throwing a paper airplane out the window and going, look at that go. It's not you know, we have no destination in mind. So, it you know, and since they're letting gun wildly introduce characters to sort of fill out this larger cosmic setting. You know, who, who knows if we're going to see more Who knows? They may give their lives in volume two of the Infinity War. That, you don't know. We it, it could, There's no telling. Uh, I think it'd be great if they did it sooner rather than later. Nothing against Sylvester Stallone, but he is right. almost 70. You know, we don't want to run into a Dumbledore situation. But uh, but no, I'm, I'm really okay with them, with, with them being yeah. uh, pirates rather than heroes because... You know, our guys are pirates and they ended up heroes. So who's to say that these guys in there just can't do the same thing? I, I, yeah, it, to me, it's I, I keep on hearing you guys talking about introducing concepts and things and getting people accepted to the MCU, but then I see them close off a huge portion of it by closing off the fact that these guys are from the 31st century and things like that. It's, it seems to me to be very short-sighted. It's, it's only closed off if you... 
I'm, this is going to sound insulting, but it's only closed off if you're not using your imagination. I mean, I can think of a, a, a dozen different ways where they can still be from whatever future you're talking. Again, I don't know. I don't read it. You know? So, yeah. Uh, why couldn't they have just come back in time to, to now? So they can do anything well, they yeah, want. Well, yeah, but it wouldn't be Sylvester Stallone, but yeah. But <laughs> that's not who Stakar is, but... Anyway, I, I'm actually glad that they've jettisoned the 31st century. I don't think it, it it has a place. I think it's too close to Legion of Superheroes in the 30th century, and I also think it's not worth building up because it, it it's too much distance between what's going on in current yeah. Marvel movies and outer space. It's supposed to be all timely. So that's, that's, revisit that's, it in phase. Well, eight. yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean I'm thinking long term, but but yeah, no, I understand. So last thoughts. What are we doing? Was there anything burning you up inside that you need to mention? Uh, no. Uh, you know, this, uh, we've, we've said it before, but this movie is all about family. The family you're born with and the family you choose or that chooses you. Between Peter and Ego, Peter and uh, Yondu, between, uh, uh, you had a, a sibling rivalry between um, Rocket and uh, P- Peter, you know, where they couldn't stand each other for a little while, and it started the whole thing. You had you had uh, everyone raising baby Groot, and we didn't even touch on the dynamic between Gamora and Nebula, and how powerful that was. This sort of, um, you know, I wouldn't call it quite a redemption arc for Nebula, but at least a sort of understanding arc. Nebula and Gamora came to an uneasy peace with each other, uh, an understanding of what motivated each other. The fact that they were both just two abused children. And again, you, you found that powerful. I, I, I'm, this is a legitimate question. Not the most powerful, because again, it's kind of I don't, borderline tropish, but yeah, I mean, I thought that w- those scenes were, were very powerful. The, when Nebula was describing their childhood, Nebula is so fat in these movies. She talks in a monotone like this all the time. That's because she has a robotic. Uh, well, I know, but it's but the problem to me is she comes across so flat, and it's so easy for them to take these years of abuse and within the span of minutes. Just like completely get over it. That to me, it felt that felt very weak. I, I did not think it was a powerful moment at all. Well, I, I don't think they're over it. They're never going to be over it. Well, well they, over they it with each other. They, they're they're going to focus their hatred on Thanos. Well, you see, but Nebula got what she wanted. She defeated Gamora. She wanted to win just once, mm. and she did. And there's a catharsis to that for her. I mean, it was never really Gamora that she was angry at. It, it, she's just the one she was directing it at. Mm. Yeah, if you're one of the nine people on the planet that has uh, has not seen a Marvel movie, or maybe hasn't seen them all, uh, but you watched Thor because Chris Hemsworth is cute, and you watched <laughs> Iron Man because you always liked Robert Downey Jr. in the in the uh, '80s movies, uh, and you're thinking to yourself, "Huh, this Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two sounds great. I should give it a try." Do well, us all a favor. Have listened to this first. <laughs> Do us all a favor and and just start over uh, with. Um, you know what? You can you could start at Avengers if you need to, but but don't make this your first marvel movie i think it only works uh i think it works best within this continuity as a a palate cleanser uh from civil war Mm. uh civil war was pretty dark uh and uh and ends on a down note with the team shattered and so uh it was not to have a team come together rather than shatter uh, for volume two of guardians so i thought it worked i my problems with with Two were the same problems with one, but none of them were big enough 
to overcome uh, the joy and the excitement that I got from watching the movie and being pleasantly surprised by these characters. So uh, I, I think it's another strong uh, win for Marvel. Uh, it's not my favorite Marvel movie, but it, it, I watched it several times and loved it thoroughly. Enjoyed it. Yeah, um, for me, obviously, this wasn't one of my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, I do think if you like the first one, you're going to like this one as well. It's got a lot of the same things, and like Mark was saying, they fell down on a lot of the things that they had in this movie, uh, or in the series already. I I don't hate it. Uh, I don't hate the first one either. I think the first one was stronger, uh, my own opinion. Um, I felt narratively uh, it was stronger, uh, but definitely some very fun characters. I feel like Rocket is the heart of this series. Um, I, I, I felt real emotion in the first one when he talks about how he was you know, uh, basically taken from his home, modified without, you know, any consideration. And this is slow. Uh, the reveal of how he, you know, uh, pushes people away because he's, you know, af- afraid of losing them, basically. A weird sort of oxymoronic thing that that's just a problem, you know, for yeah. him. And, uh, you know, sort of seeing in, in Yondu sort of the same thing. Uh, they both sort of see each other reflected. I love that. So, uh, definitely... An important part of the MCU, uh, so yeah, I'm always going to watch all the Marvel movies. Um, so uh, recommended on that basis alone. <laughs> so, uh, guys, thank you all for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was our pleasure. Uh, I really enjoy doing this. I know that there's a lot of feelings out on the internet about disagreement and that disagreement is bad. And one of the things that I really want to cultivate in the 42 cast is just the opportunity to have, you know, conversations where we can all disagree with each other, but not like get pissed off about it and, uh, you know, get, get upset about it because I feel like that creates good discussion and also creates good, it creates a way for sometimes to view things from another lens. Yes, I agree. And, and, uh, and yeah, I, I think it's okay if uh, even those uh, disagreements can be heated, uh, as long as we remember that in the end, we're talking about fictional characters that <laughs> <Yeah>. don't exist, <laughs> they, they, they are not connected to the real world, and the things that we're watching are meant to be entertainment and, and not taken yeah. uh, with the kind of um, uh, gravitas that we would take uh, other uh, more meaningful discussions. We can have right. a meaningful discussion about this but in the end we're talking about comics so that's a good thing i'm disagreeing with your point and not disagreeing with you i have no problem with you even if i think you're completely wrong about (laughs) (laughs) okay it's our usual it's our usual usual modus operandi yeah 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 yeah, i might not agree with the point uh but that but but that doesn't make anybody a bad person exactly right right yes so so thank you all for joining me today Take care, guys. Y'all have a great one. Thanks hold on, hold on. That, that part's a little premature. <laughs> Let's say goodbye and, and let people know where they can find you. So, <laughs> um, Mark, why don't we start with you then? <laughs> hey, uh, you look for me at uh, the Gentleman Nerds. I'm one of the four Gentleman Nerds in attendance. We podcast uh, pretty regularly. And uh, I can also be uh, found online uh, at Mark the Aging Hipster and on Twitter at Finswake and also on Facebook. All right. And Eric, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Uh, as always, you can very fi- easily find me on the internet because I'm very easy to find. I am just at Eric Radcliffe on Twitter. You can find the Wild Comics podcast on 
uh, iTunes and Stitcher and the RSS feed. If you just search Wild of Comics Podcast, I'm sure it'll pop right right up, especially on iTunes. And then can go to newcomicday.net where we will hopefully be back on schedule very soon. Excellent. Uh, Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Uh, as usual, I will not say goodbye to the internet. I'm a, I'm like Santa Claus. I, I watch it when it's sleeping. I watch it when it's awake. I know when the internet's naughty and nice, you know. Um, you can find me on probably all these other people's fine social media and uh, on my own at Geek Stranger on Twitter. And from there, you can find my Facebook and feel free to be, have an opinion about something and I can tell you why that's such a wrong opinion. My website, geekstranger.com, is still in hiatus after it was brutalized by Batman vs. Superman. But I think Wonder Woman is going to bring it back to life. I've uh, seen the movie twice now, and I've already written up some notes. So look for that soon. Awesome. And that's the end of our discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Now we'd like to know what you think. There's a lot of ways that you can drop us a line, let us know what you're thinking. Uh, one way is through our email, which is everything at 42cast.com, or you can visit us on our website at 42cast.com and drop us a message on any of the show topics. You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or on Twitter at at 42cast. You can also leave us feedback by leaving us a review on either Stitcher Radio or iTunes. One other thing that I wanted to let everyone know is that I've posted the topics for the time-dependent podcast that I have on the Facebook page. Since I am behind, I'm not able to get everything out before the shows or movies come out like I wanted to. Uh, For instance, Gotham has already returned, so the Gotham podcast is already late. So I really wanted some feedback from everyone if any of those episodes if you were really interested in any of those episodes so that I could make sure to try and get them out as soon as possible. Um, it's everything from the Wonder Woman movie podcast to uh, the various Berlanti shows. Uh, there's a Once Upon a Time podcast. So uh, you can just go to the Facebook page and check those out and just let me know if uh, there's one of those that you want to see more than any of the others. And that's not to say that I won't release all of them, but I will at least try to prioritize if the movie or show has already come out, I'll get those out first. Or if it's a show that hasn't yet come back for this season, I'll prioritize getting it out before the show returns. So with all that being said... Oh, I am trying my hardest to get the backlog uh, taken care of because my plan is once I've gotten the backlog taken care of, I'm going to stop doing these uh, intros and outros that I record with the podcast slotted inside. It's going to be more live where the guests sit with me as I do the intro and the outro and we can have a little more banter because... I really don't like monologuing, so uh, that's coming up soon, hopefully. Uh, There are still quite a few episodes I need to get out, but uh, I'm not recording a whole lot of new episodes until I do get caught up. Although if something really major happens, uh, I will record a new episode from time to time. So that's a wrap for this episode, and since I don't know what episode is going to be next, because I'm waiting to hear from you, I don't know who isn't going to be joining us next time, but until then, this is Nathan, signing out. 
You've been listening to the 42 Cast, copyright 2017. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.